And we are back. And Quentin, this week we are the double-edged sword. Quentin, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I do not know what this name means. So I'm curious to hear what the oh. explanation for this one is. Oh. Well, it's pretty simple. We have two guests and they're both straight edge. Uh, Dylan Hales, how see, are you I doing tonight? I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Yes, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. It's like a we're a chain of strength meme today <laughs> yeah. on the it's pod. Fantastic. Yeah. No, I'm doing uh not bad after the off uh off recording conversation we just had, uh where yeah. I thoroughly black pilled myself for perpetuity. But no, I'm, gra- I'm glad you. to be here. We appreciate I, it. I, I, and Dan oh, you can you Dan, can introduce here me. Tonight. I'm here as well. Yes. <laughs> Daniel Kabe. Dan, Hi. There he is. Dan, um, I'm gonna start this out because I like to start uh start things out just like get it out of the way. Elephant in the room. You announced slowing down, stepping away, nothing I don't think completely solid out there. How concrete are you willing to make it here on the recording? I just I gotta get like I said, I like to get it out of the way. What's stepping away? What does it mean for you right now? I mean, I basically said what what it is like in front of all the people there and on IWTV or whatever. Uh, No matches for the rest of the year. A minimum of two matches uh, in Seattle and Vancouver. Uh, One of which I'm going to try and convince my friend uh, also on the line uh, to to make the trip up to the Northwest for and maybe maybe to be on the the broadcast team for. Uh, And uh, and then we'll see. I don't know. No promises. I, I really hate people who, especially in independent wrestling, who retire and, and like come back in like six months. It's not uh, It's I, I just I think it's really corny and I don't want to be that guy. So I'm trying to not like say anything that I'm going to regret saying <laughs> in, well, yeah. in the future in the future. So um, until until, you know, it comes when I when I have what might might be my last match. Uh, which will will be in Vancouver, and uh, and I already have an opponent in mind. Not that I'm going to make that known publicly, but um, and uh, until that happens, then I go, oh, okay, this this feels good. I can I can comfortably say that I'm happy to be to call it call it a day. Um, I'm leaving it pretty open ended for the time being. So yeah, and I, I ask in some ways because I caught myself before we started recording, maybe earlier in the day, I thought about it and I said. I keep referring to this as retiring and you didn't ever say that. And exactly. For I specifically the that I you just said, I specifically yeah. stated that I was not retiring. I was not going to leave yeah. the shoes in the ring, whatever. I don't know if, I mean, I left my scarf in the ring. That was just me being melodramatic and, and, and a bit of a gesture for the people in the building. I don't even know if that got picked up on tape, but, uh, and also I think it's funny that you, um, uh, labeled the show or, or the the title of this week's show about the two of us being straight edge because Dylan and I specifically had multiple conversations about being straight edge this weekend, including yeah, nice. uh, at like three in the morning in the lobby of, of the hotel while we were surrounded by, uh, it honestly felt like we were like battling over who got to be Kermit on the Muppet show with all of the lunatics running around us. But uh, <laughs> uh, you made a great escape though. Oh yeah. I literally, I spent five minutes asking Dylan, like, can I just walk out that door? Like, do I have to say goodbye to anybody? And he's like, no, like just, just do it. And I kind of looked around and waited for, I don't know, some loud noise to distract the room of everyone. I literally just stood up and walked out the door. I didn't say goodbye to anybody. So, so, someone may have walked in dancing. And I think I said, go now. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> 
Um, well, that does bring me to something else. And maybe you guys aren't the ones to even talk to because you did have your long conversation about being Kermit and straightage and all this. But SCI, <laughs> SCI prom, all of the stuff going on outside of the ring with the fans and the wrestlers, to me, feels toned down when you've got, you know, the winner of the SCI uh, I've been told does not drink or party, do any drugs, anything like that. You've got, you know, obviously both of you, you've got your friends, your close friends, Dan, that are also wrestlers, the guys that you've wrestled over the weekend, all uh, not drinking, not partying like that. It really seems like it's toned down. Am I wrong? Are people just being more subtle and they're not putting it all out there on social media? Um, or it, has it toned down a bit, the extracurriculars during SCI weekend? Uh, hmm. Well, here, here's what I would say, and we'll talk about this probably more as we talk about the shows, I would guess. I, I think that, first of all, there were fewer traveling fans this year for sure. I, I, I think that what the SCI is is changing, uh, and, that's not, and that's not just because I don't book it anymore. Uh, like, I think just sort of out of the necessity uh, as a response to COVID and some other things that have happened, um, it is changing in some ways. Uh, it still has great meaning to a lot of people, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I think as long as it's around, it's probably going to have great meaning to a lot of people. Um, and I was very encouraged by the quality of the shows themselves and also by the response um, from the fans that were there and the people that were watching at home. Uh, but that's, you know, that's a topic I'm sure we'll touch on as well. But I, I think definitely things were more muted on Friday night than they have been in previous years. Uh, Thursday night was an interesting night because uh, there was the TWE show and uh, a large contingent of the roster from that show did end up going out after, but there was not like a fan event per se. And then on, uh, I think the biggest difference this year is there were less traveling fans, but I think the biggest, probably the single biggest difference is that in previous years, Friday night has been the crazy night. Whereas for this year, and for whatever reason, I'm not even entirely sure why, uh, Saturday night was the crazy night. <laughs> so, um, and I think possibly because it was after all the shows were over, the degree, how crazy stuff was, and this, that, and the other thing may have been a little bit less celebrated on social media, but I assure you that there was a lot of bizarre and typically SCI-ish strange behavior at the Best Western Heritage Inn on Saturday night. <laughs> that was Let's the, call it debauchery, no, I guess. There was no loss for that. There was no loss okay. for that. Uh, probably the strangest thing all weekend, uh, as far as extracurriculars, uh, and I think Dan will back me up on this, is there was a recurring um, gambling Uno table that followed everywhere. Uh, like it, it was in the locker room during the shows, but it was also like in the setup for the shows, like they just would set it up like probably like 20 yards from the ring and be doing it. Like, and then when I, and then when you got to the hotel, it was there too. So there was just like gambling Uno all weekend. Um, uh, very, very strange. Not something that I would, I thought I would ever see, at least not like yeah. this. But. I would say that's a bit depraved. I've never gambled on Uno. I've never even oh. heard of it before. Oh, it was it was a it was a thing that went on literally more or less uninterrupted for what felt like two straight days. <laughs> and and uh, as someone who kind of has a, a foot in both 
um, sides of the coin. Like I'm obviously like a, I'm a, I'm a worker. I'm, I'm on the shows, but I'm also, you know, I do have a, I guess a closer relationship with, you know, the Twitter community and, and the podcasting community, such as you, you gentlemen yourself. Um, you know, I, I got it from both sides where, you know, I'm, I'm around all, all the other wrestlers who are, are gambling on Uno in the back thinking, hmm, I'm pretty sure, you know, it was my friends, the bald monkeys who brought that Uno table to like pass the time only to go outside for them to be complaining like, hey, the wrestlers stole our Uno table. (laughs) (laughs) That fucking rocks. I love it. We like, we have nothing to do while we wait between shows. Uh, I'm sorry. which led to, I, I think that's when the, the worlds kind of collided. The, the Uno table found its way back into a, a more a common area and, and wrestlers and podcasters alike uh, could play Uno together. So, Yeah, I'm sorry. They say that there's no outlaws in wrestling anymore, but when you're stealing someone's Uno table, I mean, come on. Yeah, if we're talking, uh, talking about depraved behavior, then that's like, yeah. stealing a Uno table is really bad. I don't know. Uh, um, so, Dylan mentioned the the history of the shows and the meaning of the shows. One thing I want to throw out there, and maybe it's a bit of a, a hottish take or whatever. Um, when the cards and the lineups were announced, I'll say maybe not the biggest star studded SCI really felt like there wasn't, a, you know, necessarily a bunch of big names, but a bunch of people that you're familiar with, things like that, at least. But I would say coming out of it, I might just off the top of my head say that this was the best quality in ring SCI for like the whole tournament overall. I just, I think that there was a ton of great matches. Um, and just like, I wouldn't say like, it's not the highest high, but I'm just saying overall average to me, that's what I came out of the weekend thinking. Um, and maybe that has to do a little bit with not, maybe not having a gigantic expectations of what was coming out of it. But really I just thought, like everyone here was everything was good to great really for the most part there was like nothing in here that i disliked um quentin what do you kind of think of that overall uh well something like that i'd have to, I'd have to go back and uh look obviously 2016 is going to be the one that people think of the most um i think when you have this type of conversation it's one of 2017 one is really strong as well but i just but i had the same thing here where i saw the feel and I'm familiar with all the names on here. So it's not like I was expecting anything to not deliver or to not be good. But I think what did help is I felt like they, uh, the SCI team utilized some people to the best of their abilities in a way, which I don't really see. We're going to talk about her a lot, but someone like Billy Starks, where the, uh, a lot of the conversation and dialogue around her can overtake her matches sometimes I thought the way that she was used this weekend was the best I've ever seen Billy Starks used anywhere ever. And that doesn't just go to the booking team that goes to Billy Starks' individual performances and from opening, from opening night all the way down to the final, but stuff like that is really what, maybe it's not the highest of highs. Maybe it's not like, um, you know, like, um, some of our favorite SCI stuff, like 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 Jimmy versus Anthony Henry or something like that. Like you're not getting anything that I would put there, or even like a Dan versus Tony Deppin, something that's something that you would put in that category. But I think in terms of individual performance, I think Billy had one of the best tournament runs, maybe the best tournament run I can remember having a 
someone have in terms of like a whole narrative arc. And I feel like that stands out a lot with this year's tournament. Sure. But I mean, okay, you opened the door there. I was going to be, you know, nice and not even, or maybe humble and not do this or whatever, not be embarrassing. But like, you want to talk about Dan, quality Dan, like Dom versus Makabe might be the best match that's ever happened in an SEI show. I don't think that that's like an insane thing to say. That match was amazing. Are, are we waiting on me to comment or? That <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying this <laughs> because Quentin says like, oh, you know, Dan versus Deppin, like, yeah, that was a really good match and people were really high on it. And I think it was great, but I, I think he, there's something easily comparable that I think exceeded it. No, you, so know, like, you, know, say, you know, you know, you know what I mean, though, in terms of like the SCI yeah, yeah. matches that kind of like capture everyone's thoughts, like or like or like Leo versus Anthony Henry uh, sure. and stuff like that. The winds up being like the big banger from the weekend that everyone winds up talking about. So right. in terms of that, like stylistically, you know that I love Dan, Dan versus Dom as much as you do. But like that's probably going to like as great as great as that is, that's going to get overtaken probably somewhat by Dan's uh, post-match stuff afterwards. And then even sure. by just like some of the other stuff that happened, like uh uh, like like Masha versus um like Masha versus Manders or Billy's big dive in the Robert Martyr match or even something as fun as like Hoodfoot versus uh versus Tank like st- stuff like that for as good as Dan versus Dom was isn't like the stuff that's gonna be a uh, gift all over and hyped up all over the place the same way some of the other SCI marquee classics were sure. I, I think okay. I think that you've just illustrated your original hypothesis, though. You, you're, this conversation has illustrated Tim's hypothesis that um, uh, that the the floor for this year is. I, I, I'm not opposed to saying that it's the best ever because, um, from personal experience, um, at, back in 2019, um, you know, my match versus Tony Deppen. Um, that's all anyone could talk about at prom that, that, that year, like prom was on the Friday, Friday. And that was like the talk of the show. And like, I think we could pull back the curtain and I, I'm Dylan can tell you this better than I can because he was a decision maker at the time. But like, I think that that match getting as much attention and much fanfare as it did, it really helped seal the deal on on giving you know giving me the ball and letting me run with it and and having me win the whole damn thing right so whereas i think we come out of this weekend and one i i think not having the same level of traveling fan has definitely hurt it i think the majority of independent wrestling being available at our fingertips nowadays hurts all wrestling in a sense in that nothing really gets any real prolonged talk about it because there's seven other streams that same weekend. Um, And I think that the floor being raised to the level that it is that you could ask a hundred people who were in that building this weekend, what their favorite match from the weekend was. And I bet you, you get 20 different answers. Oh yeah. I think that's true. I, I don't, I don't think there was a, demonstrable this is the best match match and not because the quality was bad but because it was good like one one thing i will say flat out up front is to me the shows both radically exceeded expectations now i'm not going to sit here and say that i thought they'd be bad i absolutely did not think that because one thing that i think dan will back me on is everybody that is on the show all the talent treats sci like a big deal there were there were talent on this show 
who have wrestled as part of like some of the biggest, for example, GCW weekends and shows that there have been over the course of the last two years who treat SCI as big or bigger than those shows. That's not my opinion. It's just a fact. Like you can see it when they put their matches together. You can see it the way they talk about it. Like it doesn't matter if there's 250 people in the building, 400, that, like it doesn't matter what the number is in terms of fans and attendance to them it still matters at the level where they are they are going to put in a performance that is very, very strong. I mean, Manders is, I think, probably the best example of this this weekend because it, this isn't well known, but I'll just pull back the curtain fully and say, like, Steve was originally not booked at all and was just going to come. And then Jaden and I were like, oh, well, we'll do you versus Manders at TWE, which, by the way, was a really good – to me, you could make the argument that that was the best match all weekend. I don't think right. that's crazy. Yeah, don't go out of your way to, to watch that match. That that I, I mean, I, I got to call it because Dylan said, hey, I need you to do color tonight. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, that was one of the best matches I saw all weekend, absolutely. And, that, and, I mean, like, then he ends up in the tournament when Trisha's flight got canceled. And like that Masha match was really, really good. I mean, like the other, the other thing I would note too, I think about these shows that I think helps from the perspective of like when you're analyzing them and comparing them relative to other tournaments, um, other SCIs is the variety this year was insane. Like on night one, usually you've got eight matches and like, even if the matches are of com roughly comparable quality to this year, there's one or two that feel pretty similar. There's always a couple you're like, all right, these were both really good, but stylistically they're kind of the same match. You know, maybe you try to separate them a little bit on the card if you're putting the card together. But you know going in, like, they're probably going to be a pretty similar match, and they usually are. The big thing to me about night one in particular was every single match felt different, every single one. And when you're doing commentary, you don't always notice – how good or bad a match is. You kind of look at it more as like a pass-fail thing. But the one thing you will 100% notice on commentary, probably more than anything else, you probably notice this even more than if you're a fan sitting in the front row, is if you're seeing a bunch of the same thing over and over. It becomes very, very apparent. And on night one this year, I don't, I don't think there's ever been a night one that had that degree of versatility, where you had eight matches that were all pretty good are great in my basically somewhere on that spectrum and there was not a single one that felt like it was meaningful meaningfully similar to any other match yeah no that's a that's a great point and to to quentin's kind of point earlier about getting the most out of some people that maybe you don't get the most out of there's multiple people other than just billy stark so i would say like it's a it's a good example of um, Ashton Starr, someone who I've recently become higher on. Obviously, I've talked about it, um, but had a great showing here. Got the good Myron Reed here, which I'm a I've always been kind of more positive on Myron Reed than a lot of people, but especially when he delivers these kind of matches that are a lot less stunt show and have a little bit more depth to them. Eli Knight, also another one. Like you had a bunch of people up and down the card, as you said, who were delivering um, even better than they than you might expect or maybe better than they do in other places and that probably speaks to exactly what dylan's talking about that the the wrestlers here see this as something important um quentin you kind of talked about the the format of what you wanted the episode to be so we don't necessarily go match to match um and i've already talked about how i like to get the big stuff out of the way how do you feel about talking about the billy bump here 
that, is that like a thing that people are talking about? <laughs> I mean, it was all over the internet. It was a big deal, and it was a big I, deal I, to me I, personally. I'll, I'll be I'll be honest, uh, and I'll and we could talk about this, and I'm happy to talk about it. I actually think, as far as a single thing to happen at SCI, I don't think there's ever been something that's been more talked about on social media. And I'm not no. I'm not happy about that, but I just, I think no. it's true. Really? So like. I was like, you guys know me well enough. I'm not, I'm not super active on social media like that, like that. So I haven't seen the discussion about this. So I'm guessing it's a whole bunch of uh, unsafe. She's however old. Why would people let her do that type of stuff? Variations on that. And I, I would also say that I think part of the reason that there's like it, the life cycle of it maybe was a little bit long, even though there was a ton of it is that all the uh, wrestle queerdom drama happened this weekend as well, right. which I think sort okay. of subsumed the Billy Starks uh, why did this happen thing. But there was definitely a period from Friday night, and I would argue really cl- till close to bell time Saturday, where that was like the thing that people were, were talking, seemed to be talking about on, on social media. Okay. Yeah. So I guess from, from the perspective of you mentioned that you're not like involved with the involved with the booking team anymore, but in the past you are someone to have like booked and used Billy Starks on shows. So I guess from from that perspective, how do you feel whenever I guess these type of conversations happen revolving around her and I guess what she chooses to do in a in a wrestling ring? Because obviously people aren't like the vitriol isn't going to fall back on her and shouldn't fall back on her if there's any vitriol at all to be directed it's going to cap it's going to go towards people like you and whoever else is uh using her on shows from like so from that perspective where are you at when things like this happen so what one one thing i will note and this is uh depending on on your perspective on this this is either me patting myself on the back or condemning myself um while i did not have any booking decision power i was scott and matt are always going to ask me about stuff and one of the very first things that happened when i walk in walked into the building on friday was matt and scott pulled me aside and they're like hey here's the lineup we've got this match on last and i said absolutely not i don't agree with that at all and the match that i argued strongly i felt should be on last was billy starks and robert martin and that was before i knew there was going to be this bump and it was entirely because of the narrative that had been told with them over the course of last year and I made my case and they agreed with me. And to, to, to one extent, my one booking contribution this year was that that match main event. <laughs> that, was like the, that, was prob- that was probably the, the only thing that you could cr- credibly say that I, I really pushed for. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I had my opinions on some other things, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but that was like the, the probably the single most forceful, I don't agree with what you currently have, you should do this. Um, and, uh, and I stand by that. Uh, now, I didn't know she was going to do that spot uh, at all. And if you go back and watch on commentary, more or less the second that Robert Martyr's ass hit the chair, I knew what was going to happen and was basically trying to will it not to happen from commentary. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, like, it, I was not happy with it, uh, and I don't think it should have happened. And that's, I mean... I've said that publicly. I've said it privately. Um, I don't. I think it's a needless bump. I think uh, recently I've gone at, at every meeting I've done uh, throughout the entire duration of Uncharted Territory, through 
every TWE show at action shows like Dan may have even heard me do this once or twice when he's been down. Like I always, one of the things I always say is don't take needless bumps. That's a new thing that I add to every single meeting because I see it so often. So I was not happy by this. However, however, okay. And I sort of touched on this when I did the pro wrestling ponderings podcast the other day, but I'm going to reiterate it here. Um, Two things can be true at the same time, all right? So you can think something is a bad decision, be against it, express that to the talent after the fact and explain why. Um, uh, and you can also admit and concede that it actually did make the match and a narrative art more dramatic at the same time, right? right. So, like, it is just simply true and i don't say this to encourage this because i don't want that to ever happen again it's not necessary it is simply true that that spot made the match better and made the narrative arc for billy starks in the tournament better it is uh like i i i still wish it hadn't happened i still thought it was needless i think it sends the wrong message to encourage it in any way shape or form this is not anything i haven't said to her (laughs) myself but it is also true that it did enhance the match and her narrative arc. And if people want to say that it's, that's not true, I don't think they're being honest. I think they're, I think they're stuck in a position where they don't want to co-sign on something, having a sort of residual positive impact on a story because they don't like the toll that it takes physically, which I respect. But to me, that's just not an honest assessment. Um, I still wish it hadn't happened, though. Uh, and I think, you know, it, it puts when you're a booker or you're involved in creative uh, or even if you're just a person in the locker room, you know, a lot of the public stuff on social media was like, where are the adults? Who are the people in the locker room? Well, it's like, right. on, on the one hand, I agree with that. It's like, yeah, OK, that's true to a degree. Maybe somebody like if somebody knew I didn't know about the spot, um, they ran the most of the match to me and conveniently left that part out. Um because I suspect because they knew what I would say. Uh, but e- even even exempting that, like, um, what are you going to do once it's happening, right? Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's very easy to say, like, uh, where are the adults, it, which I, I respect from the perspective of if people, if you know in advance, you got to try to nix it, Right. But once the bell rings, ultimately you can't. There's literally nothing you can do. I mean, I guess you could have run out and stopped the match. Yeah, but yeah, but but like unless like Billy, like God forbid, would have like actually like really fucked herself up doing that, then you know, then then it's like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean we're stopping the match? It happened, and we'll talk about it afterwards. And she'll get reprimanded by whoever by whoever feels wrongly about it. But unless something was like really bad there and did go wrong, then. What are you expecting someone to do in this? In yeah, that case? yeah, they're, they're, it's a, it's one of these things where it's like it's like um, I, I don't want to mire this in uh, another Tim and Dylan political discussion, but it 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 it, it is it is like when Pete when when there's a major problem that everybody acknowledges as a problem in the social or political or cultural realm, and everybody's response is how did this happen? We've got to do something. But sometimes the, re- the reality is that like, you can't do anything other than discourage it from happening again. Like, that, like yeah. that's not a convenient thing. 
And I think the sort of utopian spirit, spirit people have makes you want to believe that you could do stuff. But the truth is, once the bell rings and the match is happening, it's basically out of everybody's hands other than the two people that are in there. And anybody who doesn't understand that, I think, is acting off of emotion or being a little bit disingenuous. And I say that as somebody who did not like it. Mm. Um, but, I'm, but I'm also being honest and saying that it did enhance the arc of the tournament. It did, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Um, Dan, I think you might have a <laughs> counter opinion, especially with your background on things that you've chosen to do in front of like zero fans. Um, what did you think? Uh, I'm trying to remember, where was I? Was I watching it live? I think I might've been. Um, yeah, I was, I was at the merch table uh i think with dom <laughs> watching it as it unfolded and uh and and uh, yeah i'm with dylan as soon as as martyr hit the chair it was like oh this is gonna be bad news um i you know i was billy stark's age and older you know quite a bit older uh like embarrassingly so doing just as dumb stuff in front of no fans for zero money um, money does not, you know, these people who, who are in Twitter replies and quote tweets saying, you know, anyone who brings up the hot dog in a handshake or, you know, Oh, what, what you get a hundred bucks or, and any, any kind of thing like money does not, um, you know, money doesn't motivate me as, as a professional wrestler or as someone who sees this as an artistic outlet. Um, if I have something in mind that I want to do that, uh, you know, there's, there's a, like a cost risk benefit analysis. The cost is not me making money. It's the, it's the cost. It's going to, you know, tax my body, but uh, um, you know, for, for anything that we do, right. The, the, that, that, I mean, I can't speak for everyone else, but you know, that goes through my head. You know, if I conceive of something that maybe feels that it, it has more of a, of a risk factor to it. So um, would, would I have done it now as a 38 year old man? Absolutely not. Uh, would I have done it as a 17 year old? Very possible, you know, and would I have not had the kind of, you know, platform, uh, for, for it that, that she did? Uh, no, I, I didn't, you know, I was, the, the internet was very young and I was, you know, traveling, and having fun with my friends and we were doing stuff just as crazy. Um, so who's to say what, what's right and what's wrong. Um, she is incredibly smart for someone her age. Um, but she's a teenager and teenagers are gonna take risks and they're going to try things. And that's what we do as human beings. Like we, we learn, by making, sometimes we make the right decisions and sometimes we make the wrong decisions and hopefully we grow as human beings as we become adults and realize what, what we should and shouldn't be doing. And, you know, I talked to her briefly afterwards. Um, she's someone who I think has, uh, even if, you know, there were moments during the weekend where I was giving her a hard time and she was definitely giving me some like teenage attitude, like I was uh, like an uncle or something. Um, there was also moments where I, I think that uh, uh, I have her ear and she respects what I have to say. And um, 
and you know i told her that um that, that she has just an absurd future ahead of her and that i hope she doesn't kill herself in the process but i understand that there are going to be risks taken along the way so i i yeah. to add to that two quick things that i want to piggyback on that right away um I completely agree that Billy is way smarter than the average kid her age and is extremely receptive to feedback. When it comes to young wrestlers, I'm not sure I could name one that I think is more receptive. Uh, in, certainly, in, and I think that's one of the reasons she's improved so rapidly, to be honest. Um, so in no way do I think her choosing to do that is indicative of some like, I don't give a damn, I'm going to do whatever, I don't care. That's not a reflection of that, you know, that's, it, it's a totally separate thing. Um, the other thing I would say, and I do think this bears repeating, and I think that what you just said is fundamentally true is this wouldn't even rank in like a list of the top hundred stupid things I did at 70. <laughs> so yeah. like, I mean, it's not even, it, it literally wouldn't even be on the list. So uh, that is one thing to consider. <laughs> Yes, she just happens to be live on IWTV doing it, you know, but we all we Correct. all kind of did it. I, I I did backyard wrestling and Jackass was at the height of its popularity when I was 17. So I was doing dumber stuff for the, in the same way that Dan was for no fans and just for me and my friends and not making any money. Um, I saw the take of like, is it worth it? And then you know, Dan talked about the money and me and Dan have talked about this. And, and my glib response, you know, the most black pilled thing I can say is, like, what does worth it mean in this context? Human life has no intrinsic value. Uh, like, there's just no, there's no worth. There's no value. It doesn't fucking matter. There is no, like, is it worth it? Like, that's the the most black-pilled way that I can, like, look at it and say, like, what the fuck the, that. But I do think about it and, and I go, like, where does that concept come from? And that concept comes from people talking about people doing this bullshit, you know, on the indies from decades ago. And it meaning nothing and it not ever amounting to anything. And it's outlaw mud show and $20 and a handshake and a hot dog and all this. And 30 years, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, <laughs> sure that, that logic followed, but now in 2020, that logic no longer follows. We have many, many examples of wrestlers who started their career in the backyards on the Indies on you know smaller companies in TNA taking nutty stupid bumps who then become millionaires who wrestle for $20 and a hot dog and a handshake when it used to be that nobody had ever become a superstar doing this shit no one had ever made a career doing this shit sure that logic checked out oh yeah no one's ever you know you're never going to make it on TV doing this shit kid but now that's been completely disproven and blown out of the fucking water so you have no no foot to stand on when you try to make that claim it's completely erroneous to try to point to that but these people are just parroting things that they heard from old men who made these fucking statements like i said 30 years ago 40 years ago when there was any kind of validity to it but it's out of it's out of the fucking water it's completely out of the out of the box like there is no point in even mentioning it anymore when you've got guys who were doing this for nothing for no money dogging it out on the indies killing themselves for nothing in front of no fans who have become millionaires like that basic concept is gone so when you're still saying it you're just telling me like you have not updated with the times all you're doing is squawking back like a parrot the things from your favorite guys and Cornette becomes like the obvious example of the person who says this it's like when Cornette started saying this kind of stuff at least there was some validity to it because it was at that point had had not been disproven but now it's been so farly disproven 
that you just come across like a fucking joke continuing to say it. Get it out of your head. Billy Starks, at her age and what she's doing and how good she's becoming, which I think could be another topic even that we get into here, is just how good Billy Starks has gotten at this point, has all the potential of actually making a full career. And she doesn't have to be a millionaire or this, but she can have a full wrestling career that's, you know, fruitful and pays off and it's not going to be ruined because she did something like this. And one, one other small thing, and maybe it's not everybody, but there is some level of this is when Dan said that he said as a 30, you know, a 30, whatever year old man, he wouldn't do it. Billy Starks is a young lady. She's a young woman. And there's a lot of people online who think that a woman doing this, they are entitled to make the decision on what she should or shouldn't be doing with her body. Right. Um, so I think that there is some of that vitriol that comes down to this is a woman and she shouldn't be allowed to do this. Why are none of the men who are in charge taking care of this young lady? Right. Why is if, she being allowed right, to if do like, this? Right. If like Nick Wayne did the same thing, I'm not sure the same conversation is happening. There's tons of guys. Joey Janela made his entire there, career off of this bullshit and no one ever talked about he shouldn't be allowed to do it. There, there was, I will, I will say that there was a wrestler, and I don't want to say who, there was a wrestler in the building on Saturday who made that exact same Nick Wayne comparison and said the exact same thing. Like that if it was Nick Wayne who'd done it, then, then, uh, then yeah. a lot of the people making the criticism wouldn't be making it. I would be uh, and sure. have, yeah. but, 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 but I think that there, there is a segment um, there, there's at least some truth to that. Yes. I, I do think there's a segment of people making the criticism that would not be making it or would not be making it as harshly if it was a young man instead of a young woman. I think that is true. Um, yeah. So you've reiterated very clearly that this is not a retirement, Dan, but I want to like, I was really keen to have you on, obviously for having you want to, having you want to talk about SCI It's just what we do at this point, uh, having Dylan on is a plus too, but with the nature of how the weekend went for you and the news of your career going forward, I was just, as someone that's been there, been around for the whole rise of Daniel Makabe being a travel, but becoming a traveling independent wrestler over the last five years, uh, not to get like deeply sentimental or introspective because Again, this isn't a retirement and we don't know what everything is going to look like for you in the next year or a few months. But what has been your thoughts thinking about what the last five years have been for you from that first Timothy Thatcher match uh, and it making the rounds and like the big 2018 you had and following up with an even bigger 2019 and 2020 being a fucked up year and time for everyone and kind of th throwing your momentum off and coming back in 2021 and I think really finding your stride again back in 2022. And I don't know, this is for everyone here because everyone here has been familiar with Dan, including Dan himself, obviously, during this point, during this point in time. But what's your thoughts been like looking back on like the last five years of, uh, of this run? Um, I think I, I, I've been using it as a way to kind of keep grounded about the situation um, because of how unexpected any of it was and how, uh, you know, 
I, I, I can truthfully say that, um, I, and I've told this to lots of people that the last five years are, are, you know, the proverbial cherry on top. Like it's just one large cherry. We just, we're just keep stacking cherries on top of the Sunday, which is funny for me to use that analogy. Cause I don't actually like cherries, but, um, you know, as someone who got trained in the early 2000s and had some serious envy of the independent scene going on in the Midwest and the East Coast and didn't get to really, I guess, live up to my potential at that point, I, I'm almost kind of happy that, you know, I, I really got my time to shine when I was a little more adult when uh i got better as a pro wrestler just in generally you know i, I it, it's funny like I, I people say you know we're, we're always learning we're always growing you know once you stop getting better then you know uh, why continue you know and and i honestly think i think my body has maybe not held up its end of the bargain in the last two years but like I think from a knowledge perspective and, and from a, a, a standard of how I like to construct my matches, um, I think I've actually gotten better since the pandemic. I, I don't think, um, I don't think I'm necessarily in the same kind of physical shape that I was then, but that that's, you know, neither here nor there. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I I use it as a way to keep grounded because I've had so many people, both people within wrestling and, and friends who aren't in wrestling, you know, asking me like, Oh, you, I see that you're, you know, you're, you're probably finished, you know, you're, you're, you're slowing down. Like, how do you feel about that? Are you happy about that? Or do you have some form of closure with that? And I don't know that I ever will until the, the, the time comes, but I think I'm setting myself up um, in a, in a reasonable manner to do so, um, by, by remaining grounded and, and it, all of this is crazy, you know, like I, I was talking with, um, mutual friend of everyone, Brock the other day when, when he saw the promo and, and the match and, uh, and it was like, yeah, it was me wrestling Thatcher you know, there's so many steps along the way. I was talking with the person who was in charge of three to one battle at the time who made that match. You know, I talked to him and said, you know, honestly, if that happens, none of this, you know, if that doesn't happen, none of this happens. But if Brock and your guys' community aren't the ones who really pick up on it initially and share it around, none of that happens. And if, you know, I told Dylan this in person on the weekend, but if he doesn't take a shot on me, you know, it was like 16 months later, you know, people were talking about the Thatcher match and people were talking about the good matches I was having in Seattle, but no one was taking a chance on me. No one was going to fly me from Seattle anywhere. And it wasn't until Dylan said, like, if you can get to Nashville, we'll put you in a prominent role on a sub show. And so I did. And he held up his end of the bargain. And I had a, a, a good match versus Jake Parnell. And it was like, oh, and not only was it some, you know, people went out of their way to see it on, on IWTV, but, you know, there's people in the room who Parnell even, you know, he, he had no clue who I was. And he, he's told me this story lots of times that it was when we were in the midst of talking about the match and, and kind of ideas I had, he was like, Oh, I haven't even locked up with this guy. And I know he's good by just the way he's talking. Um, and so, 
I, I had to convince everyone else in the community that I was good and that I was worth taking a risk on and I was worth a position on your card for, um, you know, because I'm taking it away from someone else, maybe someone who's more local or more established or cheaper or whatever. So the fact that this all happened the way it did, um, it's absolutely not lost on me. And, uh, and I will be leaning very heavy on it, especially if I do call it a day after those last two matches uh, to keep myself grounded and to realize that sure, there might be things that I, I would still like to accomplish. Um, but I've accomplished so much more than I ever could have anticipated when I first stepped into uh, a wrestling school in the summer of 2003. So. I don't know if uh, Dylan or Tim, you want to jump in there before I jump back in. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you set up the bummer question, so you have to deal with it. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I would, I would say though, like coming from, uh, I guess my perspective on this is like you've had people that have come from like the area, the Pacific Northwest area, but never like a real strong, like scene there ever historically people that have come, people have come from there, but it's not like a big booming scene. Like you could go to the American Midwest and you had AW, AIW and IWA Mid-South and, uh, all the different rebirths that the Midwest uh, American Indies have gone through, or even the East Coast American Indies uh, have gone through, even like the SoCal Indies have gone through. And that region that you're coming from just never really had that, not for a lack of talent, but for whatever reason, it just seems like the area was not super organized or well put together. And people that did come from there, not to say they turned their back on it or whatever, but they had their own careers and things going on and just there was never a real big effort to make uh, the Pacific Northwest a thing. So I don't know, coming from me, I'm not sure how much it means, but like for what it's worth, like your career, at least the last five years, and then even going back and knowing how good you have been the whole time, I think it's just really good, like really amazing how miraculous it all is that it even turned out the way that it did that I would have never imagined watching you in 2017 and knowing this guy is really good, but it would turn into you being someone that's a regular or a marquee attraction or someone that's at the top of the billing when, uh, on these, on these, on these Southeastern shows, like that would have never crossed my mind. I was always thinking like, uh, like the OTTs and WXWs of the world and the riptides of the world. And a lot of those things did happen, but that was kind of the thing that I, that I had, that I had, uh, that I had thought of was maybe going to be more your path and seeing that it turned into you having this third home in the Southeast. I think, I think, I don't know, for me, I think it's just like the coolest thing and the most interesting thing that even if it did happen later on in life, I think it's just either way your talent was so undeniable by that point that someone like Dylan had to take, had to take a risk because someone like that just floating around being that good for so long. And like, say like, so like Artemis Spencer even fits into this category. And uh, obviously you guys went different paths, him working to him working to find everything, but you guys have, who have been around that scene for so long, 
that eventually you guys were just too good to deny. And for how much the homogenization of wrestling sucks and how much it does kind of suck some ways that we have so much re- so much access to everything in the continuous dig to find new stuff and new people. We find you, we find Artie, we find Caden Talbane, we find all the we find all these different people that are coming from that area. And eventually you guys were able to get the kind of spots that you had always deserved. I I I'm just gonna throw in one quick point. I love that you included Caden Talbane in that list of names. So. <laughs> I know. I know just like yeah. the first thing I thought of was Caden Talbane. I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, you're you might be you might be the only one. He's great though. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I miss him. I miss yeah. him. He's he's talked about coming back. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but I, I hope he does. Cause oh, yeah, yeah, he's he was the most naturally talented of me and my friends. Absolutely. We used to tell him all the time that he was he had the best. I mean him and Yak is a J, obviously, but that's you right. know who, whose birthday it is today, actually. For the oh for, shit, really? <laughs> off off the topic, yeah. Being Jay. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. If you're gonna if you're gonna shout out people from the Pacific Northwest scene, though, I mean, obviously Nicole Matthews, but you know, whatever, Quentin. Of Kate course, sure. I'm just, I'm just, I, 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 I slighted Nicole Matthews in, in favor of Kane Talbain. I can't even live that one down. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You know, he's listen. There's a reason why his YouTube videos did so well. Um, but uh, <laughs> that is know, legitimately talking, true. That is legitimately I know. true. Oh, oh, I know. Um, I am well aware. Um, I, I've seen them, so I know why they are enjoyed by a lot of people. Um, yeah, I mean, based on kind of the stuff that that Quentin's saying, there, same thing. Like when Twitch, when Twitch first started pushing the idea that they were going to not just be a video game streaming service, uh, and a lot of my friends who did stand up comedy were like trying to figure out different stuff that they could do through Twitch. Uh, to stream like different dumb stuff like this. I was like getting into it. It was back when you could actually get a, a native Twitch app on your Roku. Um, I started noticing that there was like pro wrestling on Twitch. Um, and there was Hood Slam, which I had known from actually going to a show before. And there was a three to one battle. And I was like checking out some of the stuff here and there. But yeah, like when the the when the Makabe Thatcher match happened, which ended up on YouTube. And all of that, like, obviously that became the thing that everyone went crazy. But, like, I was, like, somewhat familiar with it by the time that I had seen that match, um, which may have been, I don't even remember where it was in the timeline, really. I'm, like, insanely bad about this stuff. Um, I had, like, It happened before we were streaming live on Twitch. Okay, yeah. So I think, like, it got shared around, whatever it was. Um, but, like, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I like, kind of have seen this place. So I've seen some videos of this stuff, but never paid any attention to it. And then obviously here's like a, a Thatcher match. So got to check this out. Um, and then that became something that I talked about. I talked about it on one of our end of the year lists about how watching 321 Battle Live on Twitch streaming became like one of my favorite things in wrestling because of there was something to the live aspect of it and watching it there. And now I just don't watch anything live ever. But like it is tough for me to think like <laughs> if if you're not around, if Dan Makabe is not wrestling like I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm not trying to be too morose or whatever, but I'm like, I just don't feel like I have that same tie to watching wrestling for the past like five years or whatever. A, a lot of it has been being a big fan of, of Dan Makabe's work. Um, obviously I like a lot of stuff, but the pandemic has zapped me. There's been a ton of stuff that's made me like less fucking invested in everything. And, uh, and I've at least had something <laughs> to point to and someone that I knew like, Oh yeah, he, this guy's always going to have great matches. 
Um, and, and like I said, watching the live shows always kept me engaged and all that stuff. So it is kind of a, a bummer. Um, obviously, I've been a wrestling fan for like over 20 years. I've been a wrestling fan basically my whole fucking life. Um, so I'm not going to probably stop watching wrestling because, you know, Dan Makabe steps away from the ring. But uh, but it definitely does. Uh, it does hurt. But I do want to, uh, you know, obviously, Dylan, it's been a big deal for you. Like the five years, the whole thing, the run. How does it feel? Uh, I mean, it's weird. I, I, I said this, uh, like August 6th of this year is like a really crazy day, just in terms of all the things that happened basically on one day to people that I'm friends with and close with and have been part and even places that have been part of like my wrestling journey and that have become more connected, um, you know, on uh, all on that day, just a couple days ago. As we record this, um, obviously, what we're talking about, Dan had what was very, very likely his last match in the Southeast. Not no guarantee, but very likely. Um, Jaden Newman won SCI, which for the universe in which I have been a part of for the last few years, that is a huge thing for a multitude of reasons, some of which aren't even necessarily obvious. Um, uh, Jesse Butler, Righteous Jesse. Uh, opened up his VHS store in Nashville on that day, Danger Zone, uh, actually Mount Ju- Juliet, I believe, uh, Tennessee. That happened on the same day. Um, the building where the first, the, ma- the match that I think sort of kicked off the Southern Independent um, infrastructure being an actual thing where you could actually watch the shows and like to some degree sort of kicked off the modern scene um in Piedmont Alabama on Southern Avenue which is where Pro South ran that's where the Jimmy Rave and AJ Styles match was which is sort of was the first of those yeah. matches that building closed on August 6th their last show uh in Pro South was that day uh and Kevin Koo's last day as a Southern Independent wrestler uh was that day uh cuz he's now based out of Chicago so all of that happened on the same day and uh all of that to me is sort of part of the same sort of stew uh, it was, you know, I mean, Koo tweeted about this and like Dan's talked a lot, like I've talked, it was a very sort of bittersweet weekend in a lot of ways because it, to me personally, it did feel like, um, the end of an era. Uh, although I don't mean that as in like everything good is over. That's, that's not the point. In fact, I actually coming out of the shows, given how much quality they were and coming out of uncharted territory season four, which you know, full disclosure, I booked, so obviously I'm biased, but uh, it, I actually have a lot of more positivity in general toward some of the stuff going on in the South um, uh, than I did, say, this time last year. But um, all that being said, like, there was a lot of, a lot of things in sync. And, you know, Dan, like... I was basically on the same path. I mean, I've always been sort of adjacent to the wrestling with words community that has spiraled into uh, this uh, network and this podcast and everything that sort of flows from it. I've never been fully embedded within it, but I was always uh, sort of on the periphery of it. And I was watching the three to one battle stuff more or less around the same time that you guys were, you know, like, 
I I always thought as that was happening, I thought that it reminded me a lot of uh, when Freelance was streaming live several years ago. Yeah. Um, a little bit before that, where it had that sort of same sort of like it had the punk rock aesthetic, it had the the DIY aesthetic, it had, but it also felt like it felt like you were watching something that was just on the cutting edge of being a thing, but it wasn't quite there yet for one reason or another. And, um, you know, my entire life has been uh, having an interest in that sort of stuff, culturally, musically, wrestling wise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a thing that I naturally gravitated toward. And, um, you know, I mean, this isn't anything that I haven't said before, but like, to me, uh, I think that once I had gotten a taste of what Dan was capable of, like I felt very obvious to me all, within a very short window of time that he was one of the best wrestlers on the independence. And while I don't, I'm not one of these, like uh, Dan has always said, uh, and he's on the line and I'm speaking for him. That's always a good habit, by the way, speak for others when they're present. But uh, <laughs> when that you know he wrestles for himself primarily first when you're a booker you can't really do that right you that's not a luxury that you have you 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 have to when you're like you have to do things for the live crowd and for the audience that may not necessarily appeal to you directly you 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 basically have to you almost don't have a choice and i think anybody who says that they don't do that i think is probably being a little bit dishonest right having said that you also do have to book things that you like for, and you want to do for yourself or you'll drive yourself crazy. So for me, it was like, I just want to, I just want this guy to be on the shows because I want to watch him wrestle. <laughs> so it was very, very easy. And from, from there, you know, I mean, obviously we're friends and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, I think that in wrestling, you know, uh, I was talking to a wrestler who I don't even know very well, but is, is actually close with Dan the other day. And they, they made the point that in wrestling, you tend to find people who are either just like the craziest scumbags that you want nothing to do with, or people that you're like, end up being good friends with who you don't really, who you're happy to have in your life. And I think that for me, uh, Dan's on that list, you know, Ku's on that list. Dom's on that list. There's some other people on that list. It's not a long list, but I'm happy for those people. I'm glad that we were all together this weekend. Um, uh, I've been going through a lot of personal problems lately. Uh, you know, Dan's been shouldering the weight of all this, um, which I know has been difficult for him uh, at times. Uh, Ku's in the middle of this huge move. Like, I, I was very, very happy that we were able to hang out and just have good shows. And uh, it, you know, when when it was all said and done from that perspective it was like okay this isn't done we're still going to be friends you know what i mean like and that's a that's a positive thing to take away um for me especially where <laughs> some of the things going on with me right now but uh the other one the one other thing that i do want to note that's sort of related to all this is i think you know you can talk about the great matches. You can talk about the great moments. The end of the 2019 tournament is one of my favorite wrestling moments ever and always will be. But I think um, the impact that I think Dan is quietly sort of had, like 
I don't know that Koo himself would say this, but I'm going to say this. I think Koo's entire approach to wrestling has changed through knowing Dan and becoming friends with him. <laughs> like, I've seen how he thinks about matches, and it is definitely uh, a lot different than he was before he met Dan, right? Like, that, 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 like, and I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying that's the only thing that contributed to that. I think there's a lot of factors there, including just growth as a wrestler and as a person. But I think that sort of residual influence that uh, he's had and that maybe to some degree we've all had on each other in that circle has been good. I mean, I, I'll be another person who I think has sort of radically improved kind of by proxy that I, I think is part of being in this loose network to one degree or another, even though he's, he's not as close with Dan as Koo is, I think Jaden's gotten a lot better in part by being part of that group. It's like a web, I guess is how I would put it of connectivities there. And uh, that's like a piece of the story that I don't want to be lost um, and I don't think it's as obvious as the great matches and the great moments and the getting to do cool things and the friendships and whatnot. But I think that sort of influence and the sort of like, even the tertiary impacts that aren't necessarily obvious and things that you would immediately point to can sometimes have a much more important impact over the long haul uh, than anything else. So that's something else that I, I wanted to note since we were on this topic. You hit dylan you hit a ton of stuff in there that i meant to it reminded me of a ton of stuff that i meant to say and bring up and stuff number one being i wanted to say congratulations on uh uncharted territory like you did a phenomenal job it was a great show the season was great and getting through it like i, I wanted to say that to you up top and i forgot i apologize um and then also talking about punk rock wrestling and Quentin mentioning UK indies and stuff like that. It's funny that the only uh, punk rock wrestling company never booked Dan Makabe for some reason. I guess they weren't as punk as they thought they were. Cause I, I mean, know. who's more punk than Dan Makabe really. Um, but you talked about this feeling like the end of something, but more like the beginning and the last name that you mentioned there for people who got approved. Cause I've seen it too. And, you know, I'm whatever. I'm, I'm nothing. I, I heard uh, Trisha Dora getting interviewed on a podcast and out of nowhere, she mentions Dan Makabe being someone she takes inspiration from. This was before I think she was really on even people on people's radar that much. Um, and, you know, I mentioned it to Dan and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, and then I saw, you know, a random wrestler Jojo Collins tweeting out how, oh, God, I wish I got to wrestle Dan Makabe one time and you know he's just barely starting he just debuted on IWTV like last night or the night before first match on the on the streaming service but there's these wrestlers out there you talk about the impact that's not even seen or felt yet there's these wrestlers that you don't we don't even know we don't even realize are just getting started who are influenced by Dan um which this is again embarrassing to be saying with him on the call uh but you talk uh, about it's, a, it's, it's funny I'm sorry to cut you off but it's funny because like you wouldn't think of it as being like that far removed as to where there'd be this kind of generation gap, but like <laughs> kind of what people like deem the grapple fuck guys of evolve at one, at one point at 2014 uh, to whatever you want to cut it off range. I kind of do feel like if you're a hardcore, if you're a hardcore fan that was watch that was watching, whatever, like Dan is that for you. Dan is your yeah. Gulak Thatcher ZSJ Biff. Like, 
and Dan probably well, hates. What, what, <laughs> what I've taken to saying, Quentin, uh, and I know he, he's, I'm sure, blushing and just shaking his head. Yeah. Guys, shut up, <laughs> oh, please. But the, I, I've taken to saying that, like, I think he is like the ultimate independent wrestling artisan or craftsman, right? Yeah. Like, and I, I think that's sort of innate in uh, his approach to wrestling. And actually, to build off this further, I think it's not a one-to-one comparison. His approach isn't exactly the same, but I think the wrestler that has emerged on the Indies over the course of the last year to two years, who I think is the most comparable in approach, might be Adam Priest, who is also somebody <laughs> that like, sure. like, ju- like it. And also, I think he's kind of emerging as a guy that is sort of quietly becoming the same group of people that everybody were uh, Dan guys. Are now priest guys. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really think that's shocking. I think there's something about the approach, even though the style is not exactly the same, there's something about the approach that people can see. You can see it on them. They don't, you, it, it's not about the gimmick. It's not even necessarily about the style. It's something about the approach and the mentality. And, uh, you know, and, and of course, it's also very fun to make fun of Adam Priest, but it's, it's, <laughs> but it's, there's something there that is tangible that there's a connective tissue there that uh, uh, I think people can just sense uh, uh, there, there's a through line, even if you can't necessarily explain why it's, it is there. Oh, I see it. And I just, I'll just say as a, uh, maybe a little bit of a teaser at the end of the year list, just expect the tides to roll. Um, but uh, as you said, like, <laughs> it feels like the end of one thing and um and the, but the start of something fresh and the last name you mentioned there who's improving through the the kind of the exposure in Jaden Newman. I mean, I feel like there's a ton of people who come out of this SCI weekend feeling like the the new face of the Southern independent scene. I think B, BK Westbrook is someone who I, I kind of hand waved the first time I saw him. And now I'm really seeing how good he is. Um, you know, I mentioned Billy Starks, Myron Reed, Damian Tangra. There's a ton of young guys. We're putting it together, but Jaden feels like weirdly above, not in the group, but feels like in some ways he's the leader of that pack. He's the same age, but feels like he's been around longer, probably because he has. Yeah, he's been um, around. We've been around the whole time. Yeah, but he's actually part of the group. But he, he somehow feels like he's a uh, you know he's above it and and is more of the elder statesman in the group, but he's not. But the question I want to get into with you, and this is something I've gotten into a little bit with with Dan privately. Um, Explain Jaden to me, <laughs> because watching him on tape, he just doesn't translate the way that he does in the building. I've always said I think he's much better as a heel, but on these shows, as a babyface, these crowds live and die with this guy, and it just, I feel like it doesn't come through on video. And Dylan, like, in the building, what do you think? Or Quentin, feel free. And, and not just that. Like, I I had said um, maybe an hour before we started recording, I had said to, uh, in, the, in the infamous Slack, I was like, uh, I'm not sure what exactly happened here or that I think anything is wrong, but the way Billy got booked so strongly almost took away from like Jaden being the big baby face to me on some level. And some of that has to do with the fact that I think Billy just had phenomenal performances, but, and Billy also needed those kind of, uh, moments more to build up her credibility more than Jaden did who's been around in the area in the scene the whole time who already has a big built up rapport but for Jaden who was going to have this big homecoming moment 
And to look at his run through the tournament, it doesn't feel like he has this big standout arc and narrative other than he's a hometown guy. He's been around. He finally did it versus Billy's uh, the die we already talked about on the first night, the way that she started selling her injuries more and more gradually as the shows went on and how whole her um, how uh, her whole arc was going and comparing it to Jaden's just felt like Billy got booked so well that it almost took away from Jaden a little bit to add on to what Tim was saying. Uh, I, I actually think there is some truth to that, but I would say, and this is just my opinion and I don't know if you guys saw this and obviously it's, it's the lesser viewed show of the weekend. I think if you see the TWE match with Manders, the Jaden arc is more logical. Right. I, I, I think it, it, it is to me pretty clearly enhanced. If you see that, um, if you don't see that and you're, and you're just like watching the shows on Friday and Saturday, I think there is something to the idea that sort of Billy superseded him. Um, and I mean, some of that is structural and some of that is the burden of being the hometown guy. And what I mean by yeah. that is this, right? So um, where was Jaden on night one? He was the match back from intermission. Why? Because everybody knows he, if there's any guy who has a chance of getting the crowd back right after intermission, it's him. So he basically, if we're being honest, he kind of gets screwed, right? <laughs> like his first round match is put, in, is put in what virtually everybody I think would agree is the worst spot on the show. From, right. from, a, from having a fan enthusiasm perspective and from having a chance to succeed at the highest possible level, the worst place to be on an independent wrestling show that, where you have a lot of really strong talent is the match back from intermission nine out of 10 times. Occasionally match two might be as bad, but usually the match back from intermission is where you do not want to be, but he has to be because he's the hometown guy in a match where everybody knows Ashton star is not winning. So it, it, some of that is a function of that. Some of it is a function of the fact that Billy Starks went and did something totally nuts. Like we talked about earlier, (laughs) which creates a situation where there's really nothing Jaden could do that would be comparable, right? There's, there's literally, go ahead. Which did cross my mind earlier when you took credit for her being the main event on the first night was that you did lead to it feeling like this was Billy's weekend. Oh, well, well, here's the other thing that I think. um, So I'll just say this. They did not hundred percent settle on Jaden winning until like 5. PM on Saturday. Okay. (laughs) Now it it was between it's been, and I mean, I'll just like realistically, I think it was between Jaden and priest for the last month, month and a half. And I think there are arguments to both. Um, I, I think, you know, some of the decision-making involves some things that I, I literally can't go into, but it, it, I think they made the right decision. I think you could make an argument for Priest. I think, honestly, if we're being completely honest, any of the four people in the final could have won, and it would have been completely acceptable. Yeah, which is one of the thi- which yes. is one of the things that I think made this tournament feel better than other tournaments. Is regardless of how you feel about the final itself, and I personally liked the final better than every final other than 2016, which was like a classic. But regardless of how you feel about the final itself, the best thing about the final was you realistically could have come in and honestly 
thought any of those people would, could have won and been happy with any of those people winning. Yeah. Nobody would have been a disappointment. None of those four. Um, my personal view on Billy is if Billy wins this year, you've told the entire story in a year, there's nowhere to go. It's I over. agree. Yeah. I so agree. it's like sure. you, you're, you, you sort of have put yourself in an impossible position, even though there's a degree to which I agree that it felt like her weekend when you're coming out of it, especially if you didn't see the Manders match on Thursday. Um, having said that, um, I, I think that with Jaden in particular, like the, the big issue with Jaden, and this is nothing I haven't said to his face, I think his wrestling is better as a baby face and his character work is better as a heel. I think he's like, um, even though stylistically, I don't think they're anything the same. It's like the John Morrison problem, you know, like j- offensively, John Morrison can never be a heel. Like it's, you, you just can't do it. But the guy's not a baby face as a character. He just isn't. And it, that's going to be a challenge for him. I think he has improved on that radically. I, I think that uncharted territory helped a lot. I, 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 I personally think that the wrestler that probably quietly benefited the most from uncharted territory was Jaden. Uh, he was not uh, the he was not Adam Priest or Cruel who sort of jump off the page, but I think quietly he showed his chops, was a team player the entire time, and when he was asked to deliver in a high quality match, he he consistently did it, uh, including the Gresham match where I thought he looked outstanding. Um, in the tournament itself, look, he's just a much smarter wrestler than he used to be. I I, I don't there's there's not – he's not a guy where – he's always going to have his detractors. I, I've, I've, I've resigned myself to that. I don't think he's ever going to be somebody who has um, the universal appeal that some other people have. And I think partially because of how he presents – he's probably never going to be a full-blown cult favorite like a Dan or an Adam Priest or, or people of that ilk. And I think that's sort of irrespective of how good or bad he is. Um, but I think in terms of improvement over the last two years, there's not a lot of people I would rate higher. Um, I, I, I don't... It would have been, uh, been unthinkable for me to be advocating for Jaden to win the tournament two years ago. I I just, that to me would have been like a silly notion, to be honest. And if I'm being blunt, I was advocating for him to win. Uh, I would have been fine with anybody in the final four. I thought the idea that the choice was between him and Priest felt ultimately right to me. I think that there, you know, people could have made an argument, oh, the heel could have won this year. You know, to me, it's like the Scenic City Invitational has had two previous hometown hero winners who I think both sort of through their own issues proved that they were not the guys. And whenever you think of Jaden, Jaden is a pro wrestler, period. He's not he's not somebody who's doing this um, uh, just because uh, he's not somebody who is sort of saddled with a 
previous era's mindset that is going to limit him. His limitations, to the extent that he has them, are things that are things that he can transcend and work through. They're not uh, not to be mean to other people, but they're not character flaws, <laughs> to be honest. And I I think it was the right decision for him to win, um, particularly in a year that feels like an era changing year. And uh, I thought he had a good tournament. I thought he had a real. I, I think if, particularly if you count the Manders match. I thought his weekend was probably as good as anybody's, to be honest. Uh, if you didn't see that match, I could see where maybe you don't feel the same way. Um, but that Manders match might have been my favorite match all weekend, honestly. It's, pretty, it's very close. Uh, and I, I do think it, it adds to the arc. I, I saw the Manders match, and I actually did really, really like it. So I'm, I'm with you guys. I don't. I maybe less I don't even know if I guess Dan you did kind of say you thought it might be match of the weekend I don't know if I would go that far but that's also because like I said Dan and Dom to me is in a different conversation um for matches just because it's it is it's right up my alley it's the kind of match I love um it's specifically the style of match that I enjoy um but yeah that does add to his his thing and I guess Dan I mean we talked about it here and I, and we, me and you have talked about this privately so, somewhat. I won't, you know, say divulge anything, but I do say like this fucking Jaden is about as crisp as anybody in wrestling. Like his execution is phenomenal. Uh, if you really pay attention to what he's doing for the past couple of years, he's really become one of the best in-ring wrestlers that there is. You talked about the character thing. One thing that crossed my mind as we're talking about the character thing is I'm just like, like Jaden should do the crusher thing. He should just be a heel that, the, the the fans love or not even a heel but just be like the the anti-hero he's just himself he's just does his personality that comes across naturally and the fans just love him and that's kind of i think where he's going to end up is he's going to be he needs to not try to be the raw 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 baby face you know clean squeaky clean thing and just kind of do the character that works for him and just let the crowd like him but the last match that i can remember off the top of my head and this is me personally, I won't speak for anybody else within our circles because I know other people are maybe not as nice, but the last match that Jaden had that I thought Jaden was disappointing as a wrestler was his match with Dan Makabe over WrestleMania weekend.
so Dan, what do you think about the Jaden winning and the Jaden situation? Like, <laughs> the way that you set this up. I, I know, so I know. But like insane. for people watching him, I mean, Quentin, is it not true that like the, the within our group of friends and within the people who are like watching this stuff on tape, like Jaden just doesn't hit. And and I'm probably the high person on him. Yeah, I actually yeah. really like Jaden. But like for some reason, it's not coming across to other people. And I don't know, Dan, like if you want to speak to it, just what you think about him, you've been in the ring with him. You had a match that I thought wasn't his best performance. And then since then, he's gotten nothing but better. Like, what do you think about Jaden and him winning here? Did it make sense to you? So uh, the, there's a lot to unpack here. One, <laughs> it, it's funny that you you think that it wasn't a great performance uh, on his behalf. Uh, that might have been legitimately my worst performance in the last five years. It uh, was against him. So... Um, so yeah, uh, the the one thing that we actually had a rematch um, eight months later, like right at the end of last year, the same weekend where I had the final match with Eric Royal at Action. Yeah, I wrestled Jane Newman at TWE, and we are eight months since, and it is still not seeing the light of day. So, um, what the hell? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, and I think that match was pretty good. I mean, Dylan was there. Uh, I, I, I mean, it was light years better than our first match from earlier in the year. So, but that's, I mean, a lot of that's on me. I, I was not in a good place um, WrestleMania weekend in Tampa. Uh, I was embarrassed by uh, my performances. Um, I think I rested on my laurels in, in some cases and like, I managed to have okay matches that weekend in, in some situations, but the Jaden match was not one of them. Um, man, he's, he's improved so much since, you know, the first time I met him was WrestleMania weekend. He hopped in a car with, uh, I think Dylan and maybe Ben Zani and drove all the way from Chattanooga up to New Jersey just to be a part of it and just, and kind of scope out the lay of the land and I, I distinctly remember him being front row for, for my match with Fred Yehi. And he was picking both Fred and, Fred and I's minds afterwards and, and, and asking us about things and telling us what he liked. And, and you could tell right then and there that he, you know, he was inquisitive and, and that he wanted to improve and that he wanted, he wanted to be a part of, of, of that style of weekend, you know? And um, absolutely. You know, I agree with, with Dylan that, uh, any four could have won, but um, when I went into the building that day, it was like, okay, can we stop fucking around? Can we just admit that like Jaden has to win this fucking thing? And and there's no, you know, <laughs> there's no better choice. And and maybe he had to be in the building because literally, you know, night one I said, okay, let's let's gauge reactions. And I can confirm as as a pro wrestler, being first out after an admission is the dirt worst. And the fact that you could rely on him to garner such a positive reaction and get people engaged and help, you know, carry the show on through the back half of the show. I mean, yes, part of that is because it's a hometown crowd and that that crowd truly loves him. That city truly loves him. It's in the TW arena, you know, which it, it is not. You know, I, it's a it's a nice building. It reminds me in some ways a lot of the Battle Palace back uh, in Seattle for three to one battle, um, both in like physical layout and just kind of, um, you know, certain 
aspects of it. Um, but you don't always garner the best reactions in that building. And, but he always does, <laughs> you know, it's, it's without fail. It's a, you know, even if the crowd's kind of light and the crowd's kind of down, if Jaden comes out, that, that crowd is up and they are attentive and they are ready for his match. So um, he was a logical choice for, for me as far, you know, once I actually got to Chattanooga and went, okay, well, what, who's the final four? Oh, well then yes, of course it's him, you know, like this, it's a, it's a no brainer. And then the point I'm going to make is, is Tim, you, you said that you think Jane needs to maybe wrestle a little bit more like the crusher. And I've tried to be humble this entire uh, you know, two hours or so <laughs> we've been talking, even though people have been saying very nice things about me. Here's where I'm going to throw being humble out the window. I think he needs to wrestle more like me because I can be a baby face and I think I can be a, a pretty compelling baby face, but I don't necessarily wrestle like a baby face. I don't change that much what I'm doing between being a heel and being a baby face. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I think I have educated multiple crowds first the Seattle crowd and, and later Chattanooga to being, you know, like this is our guy and we're going to cheer for him. And like, it's not, I'm not outright breaking rules or anything like that, but I'm not, you know, being over the top baby face kissing babies and, and whatever. I'm just being like, I'm just me. I'm just a wrestler. I'm just an ass kicker. And, and I've managed to garner enough support through being the best damn version of myself and and just being authentic and i think uh you can't teach that uh i think you just sometimes you just have to naturally fall into that and and i think Jaden, um i i agree with with dylan that he's he's kind of in a hard place because he's just great as, a, as an entering heel but his actual you know the fundamentals and and his work as a babyface has just come so far in the last year especially so i think once he kind of opens that part of himself up and the real authentic Jaden newman is what we see in the ring as a character then i think he will find more widespread support from people outside of the southeast yeah and and one thing i will say about him two two things number one the TWE crowd loves him. I completely agree with what Dan just said. So does the sub crowd. And yeah, that is yeah. a completely different. They are not the yeah. same people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. We've you, talked you about are, this. You could length. not find two different groups. Like, I mean, are there a handful of people that go to both here and there? Yes. But it is like very little crossover. So or even the action audience is like different, obviously, like for whatever re for, for the different reasons totally, there because of what well, for what action does. Totally, totally different. And he's by far the most overheal at action, right? It's not even close. Like mm -hmm. that's complicated because it's like if in an ideal universe, would he be the same character everywhere? Yes. But it's also right. like he's so over as a heel at action, I don't know what to do. You know, like it it it's it, that's a longer topic for another day. I but, think Jane Jane's almost hurt because he's like and like certain people that we like to be like. But he's almost too good at certain things to just—he's almost too good of a of a utility guy. Utility guy, I completely agree. You, you this was the point I was going to make, and I, I think that is absolutely true. I think there are a guy. I think Ashton Starr is another kind of guy like this, where it's like Ashton has improved, but the problem with Ashton is that he's good enough at enough things where you don't have to book him as strong as maybe you should if you want like. And this is this is the conundrum with Jaden. The other thing I do want to note, and I think this is very important, and this is something that I've noticed, you know, 
with Jaden, it's been very gradual in terms of how he's come along. He had to convince a bunch of people for years that he was even going to be a real wrestler because everybody just thought he was somebody whose family bought him a wrestling promotion. So he had to work harder than everybody. And that's an absolute fact. And then it was like he had to convince the sort of hardcore fans in the region, which I think he's largely well, I would say basically entirely succeeded at that. And he has yeah. he has a large following on 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 Twitter too and social media. It's just not necessarily our group, so to speak, if that makes sense. Right. But it's not it's not like he doesn't have a big fan base on social media that are hardcore fans. He does. But the other thing with him that's been really interesting that I think has really happened in the last year is um and it's interesting because usually when this happens, our group, so to speak is the group that comes around first and then this group comes along. But what's interesting with Jaden is the inverse seems to be true. There still seems to be people within our group who are lukewarm or unconvinced, if not outright agitated by him. Right. Yeah. Uh, Whereas uh, inside the business wrestlers almost all think he's great. I get praised. He probably gets more praise from wrestlers who are contemptuous and hate modern wrestling to me than basically everybody else, other than maybe Adam priest, when it comes to Southern guys, he is really? routinely praised inside. They're like, I cannot tell you the number of pro wrestlers in the last year who have been like, he's the only baby face who knows how to sell. He's the only, like, this is, it is jarring. And this is, that's more or less all happened. I would say in the last 12 to 16 months. So Usually that group is sort of hand in hand with our group, so to speak, right? Uh, what's interesting is that in this case, uh, the our group fan culture, I think, is <laughs> is behind that for whatever reason. And I don't know. I, I'll be honest. I don't know completely why that is. But the list of people and some of them are public and they're very it's a very strange list of people. It's not always the I, people that you would expect, but it's like people as diverse as tank anthony henry brandon kirk and jonathan gresham have all told me this so you're you're it, that's a yeah. pretty broad list of people you, you know like with Jaden, though for the longest time like I, i'm sure you've seen this like he gets he gets kind of dismissed as like one of johnny gargano's kids like one, one of those people yep. that yep. have what you would call johnny's skill set but then there's people that already don't like Johnny. So if you're someone that's in that, uh, or even or even Alex Shelley, because Johnny's a Alex Shelley guy, Alex Shelley type of guy anyway. So that type of guy that does these things, but you're not particularly enthused about how he does it either. For a long time, he was kind of put in like the same category as like a Sage Phillips. So I think for the longest time, he's still been fighting from people that I talk to and that I'm close with to even get out of that category in that box. I, I still think it comes down to something I mentioned before, which I think that Dylan, you basically, even though I, I don't think you realized it, you answered it in a weird way, which is that us, this group, we're not in the building. The wrestlers who are saying that they get it are in the building. I think that Jaden's an in the building guy. I think that you need to be up close to get it. And I just feel that there's something there that you're missing when you're watching it on tape, I really, I really think that that that's gotta be it. That's the only thing that makes sense to me at this point is that there's something about, because I watch it. Like I said, if I watch it, just sound off, I go the old school and just like, just pay attention to the movements. This guy is about as crisp as they come. 
Um, just everything executed perfectly. The selling, the facials, all of that is there, but I just think we're missing the aura. We're missing something that that people are getting in the building that that really like gets him over even further. Um, that we're just like not getting on tape. I think that that's got to be it. I just I really do well, think that's the only answer. I, I think there could be some truth to that, and I also think that, and this is something that is absolutely true, and I think it is evident in like if you go back and watch the uh the hot ones tribute that uh interview with dan and and jaden from sci weekend from a couple years ago we've watched jaden grow up in front of us and i think he would concede that i mean he's like my little brother so like i, I i'm gonna rag on him a little bit here but so what like there was definitely a period as recently as say two and a half three years ago where he was still very much in that try hard period and we were seeing that in front of our very eyes, right? Yeah. Like, and when some, when, when you see that, that creates an expectation and it's very, very hard for people to fully mentally break themselves of that. And um, he is not that way anymore. Uh, I, I think um, not at all, actually. Uh, and I, I think that there may be still a little bit of a stigma with people where maybe they saw some of that try hard on them you know, which I think he would concede was definitely there until he fully found himself more in the last two years or so. And I, I think some people still see that on him a little bit and it just triggers that. I think, to be honest with you, another wrestler who I think was like this and um, who we're, I know we're all high on, who I think has recently emerged from that as well and had to beat this stigma and had this stigma attached to him for a long time and does not anymore is Cole Radrick. I, yeah. I think... Cole 100% had the try-hard stigma attached to him probably for a full year longer than it was merited. And uh, at a certain point, people were like, no, Cole's just really good. <laughs> like, we can't, like, like yeah. you just couldn't argue it anymore. And I think eventually that'll end up being the, the case with Jaden. That's fair. That's fair. One thing that, um, that I always thought that Quack got right, and it plays into something that I, I remember Jake the Snake saying that, uh, Grizzly Redwood, who's obviously every, we all endorse as a great man, um, said was like, you know, that you 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 can't get over. You can't like learn in the same place that like you're going to get over or whatever. Like and Quack got it right because he'd put the students in masks so that like later on you could take the mask off and then be over because people don't remember you being a goober. It's like something that like even uh, uh, Andrew Everett got like, with the Chiva Kid thing, like although like Chiva Kid ended up being f fantastic where it's like if you like learn and train under a hood and then you take it off um, once you're good, like people don't like automatically equate you to the negative opinion that they had of you when you first started out. Yes. Um, there's a lot of truth you, to like, that. Yeah. You should like, that's all I've, I've told that to a, like anyone I've ever talked to. Who's like getting into school. I've said like, when you first start wrestling, wear a fucking mask. So people don't remember you like just so if you suck, you can just hide. And if you're good, you can like openly take the mask off and then like transition into a different thing. But just wear a mask when you start. And that, and that just goes into the point of like what Dylan make that we that we granted like Dylan's view is a little bit closer up. But if you've been watching that stuff and you're a psychopath wrestling fan like me and Tim, like we watch Jaden grow up too. So yeah. it's pretty. It's that it's that same thing that you're talking about here. Is that you know it, it may be different circumstances. Maybe the Namaro Uno Ichiban thing is him wearing a mask instead this whole time <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um but dan you mentioned uh you compared yourself uh 
to the to the crusher i wouldn't have done it because i know that you have a destroyer tattoo on you so i wouldn't want to compare you to the the crusher you know unfortunately but um you know you said like you can be a baby face so okay we talk about you being a baby face what i want to talk about is your face when you came out for your match with dom because i could read you (laughs) the emotion on your face when you came out was um I don't know. It was just so thick. Like, it makes me so sad. It, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but what was? How did that feel when the music hit and you came out? I could see it on your face, but describe the feeling as you come out for this match with Dom, which, like I said, ends up being one of the best matches of the year. A match that I'm going to continue to talk about forever. Um, what What were you feeling? Because I feel like I could see it. Yeah, I don't think I did a good job hiding it. Um... You know what? I, I still, this is like the, the dumbest thing. I don't know why I still get a kick out of it. Like if you catch me in the right moment, but if I hear, um, I hear, um, an announcer say from newest Mr. British Columbia, that always just gets me. I think I, it's getting me right now, actually saying it out loud. Um, I think it just kind of connects in my brain how far I've come because who's ever heard of New Westminster, British Columbia. Uh, and I always force these poor ring announcers to say every last word of, of my hometown. Um, and, and, you know, Scott famously got it wrong last year at SCI and it ended up in my, my life of episode on, on IWTV, Scott uh, getting the name wrong. And, and I bug him about it to this day. Um, so like, you know, there's, there was a moment when I, when I got announced at 16 carat, uh, back in 2020, their announcer is just phenomenal. And he is, you know, it's 1500 people and it's a bunch of German that I don't understand, but I very much understand New Westminster, British Columbia. And it just makes me think about, you know, where, where I'm from and how, how far I've come. And, um, and yeah, I had, I had that moment when I heard Scott say, newest mr british columbia was man that might be oh man i wasn't expecting to do this shit (laughs) um sorry no it's okay uh yeah i i it might be the last time i hear scott hensley say that so it, it just became very real in that moment so yeah um yeah that's and part of me was like you know don't go out having poo-poo face because you're going to do a job although i knew i wasn't going to do a job um but uh it was like don't have sad face because you know you're about to make you know an entire gymnasium full of people cry although they didn't know that at the time but uh but part of me was just like no where where your emotions on on your sleeve um because it's an important match you know even from a perspective of a fake matchmaking perspective you know me and dom uh that's that's a cool match that had never happened in north america shockingly so um i'm i'm very happy you know i i I don't know if i should say this publicly but i'm going to like (sighs) it was supposed to be me and trisha dora on on night two of sci and uh and when when 
it was funny because Friday morning I got woken up by Matt and he was like, I got really bad news. Like, you know, we're doing our best, but it, it doesn't look like Trish is going to make it. And he was like in a panic because he knew how important night two was going to be to me. And, uh, and it's definitely a bummer that I didn't get to wrestle Trish, but in some ways, you know, I think having that match with Dom is, is, is even better. So so I'm just glad that I was afforded the opportunity to just have that platform in general, as I've had that platform for three plus years now. And, uh, and we find ourselves almost two hours in and, and I'm still waiting for match by match breakdown of the entire tournament. So here we go. Matt, <laughs> poor Roger, first I, gave, I gave Sam specific instructions that we're we had. I yeah, gave I gave him specific instructions. This but is to... like the only match that I want to break down like that. So that's why I'm even like leading into it. Like we're not well, we're not doing match by match. Like I know. Me, I'm joking. I'm joking. Let me let me say this. Like uh on that front, from my perspective, man, it was so weird because I don't think very many people knew what was going to happen. Um, I think it's okay to say now that I had known for a little while and I think, and Ku had known for a little while and Dom and Matt and Scott, and that might've been it. Like there were very, very few people ahead of this that like, even on the show that had any idea what was happening. And, you know, uh, Dan and Dom and Ku in particular are three of my closest friends in pro wrestling. And, um, it wasn't that long ago where I thought I would never call another match of Dom's ever. Uh, I really didn't think he would ever wrestle again for a little while uh, without going into his situation. Cause it's not, that's not my place, but I, I really didn't think he would ever wrestle again. And um, knowing that there was a chance that might be the last match of Dan's I would ever call although I 100% will go to Seattle to call a match there if, if he's able to do one and wants me to that's like a guaranteed thing I will do um, but no knowing that and what was about to happen and just sitting there I mean I'm doing commentary with Moe's and Moe's doesn't know what's about to happen and Jer- <laughs> and Jerry's doing the production and I had kind of told Jerry had an idea only because I'd been like, hey, don't go straight to intermission after this match ends, <laughs> which is what he normally would have done. But I don't really think he knew for sure what was going to, you know, it, it was very, uh, it was a very strange thing to be a part of, uh, but I was glad that I was. And um, it was a super cool match. And I, you know, as cool as Trish and Dan would have been to see, uh, I have to say that selfishly for myself and for what it means to me in my own little place on this earth as a both a wrestling fan, but for my, my friendships and my own feelings about things, ultimately I was glad it was done. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Um, as much as I would love to, as I said, I, I messaged Dan, I don't know how long ago it was at this point, maybe two years, three years. Uh, when I heard Trisadora talking about him and then I feel, I don't know, Dan, was that the first time you had heard her reference you? Cause I feel like I, I feel like I remember it that way. No, it was the first time. Yeah. You, it was, it yeah. was in kind of mid, mid 2020 and you brought yeah. it up and it was, 
at that point that I started to see her name kind of popping up. I was familiar with, with the title title belt, obviously, because it's like the coolest title in, in wrestling yeah. or just wrestling in general. And it was honestly shortly after the COVID collective in Indianapolis, where we were both there, but we were ships passing in the night um, that Trish and I started talking and that, that, I mean, more, you know, obviously it would have been nice to, to get to wrestle her, but like yeah. we, we talk all the time and we still have never met each other, um, which that part's, that's upsetting. You know, I'd well, like to meet, I'd like to meet her someday. So she works so it's slam enough. It's not that far. I always love to pretend like Northern California is close to where Dan lives in my it's, brain. It's legitimately it's, a 16 hour drive. <laughs> it's, it's like closer to get to probably like a, the, the east coast of canada than it is to get to northern california but um but i i always love to pretend like it's it's close yeah dan just hop down to san francisco um but um so yeah for me i would love to have had that match finally and i could just pretend like i i helped put it together um but that wouldn't make this which becomes like a match that quentin how long have I been saying that Mox and and Biff is not going to get outdone unless something crazy happens? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, you were very something crazy about that. fucking happened, and we got <laughs> two of the the two of my guys, two of my all time wrestlers who I love went out here and they intentionally were doing a match that was a like an homage to my style of wrestling that I love the most. And like, yeah, of course this wins. This is it. This is going to be my match of the year. This is going to be a match that I'm going to talk about for a fucking decade. So while I'm with Dan and Dylan, that it would have been fun if we'd gotten the, the Trisha Dora match, I would have been very happy. And it would have been a great feather in my cap to be like, I helped, I could just pretend like I helped put this together. Um, <laughs> I have to say that this is much better. Quentin. Do you have uh, any, uh, anything to say as we lead into so, this? So, I think we all know what Tim's favorite match of the weekend was. So, yes. uh, so for Dylan and Dan here, uh, what about you guys? Uh, Dan, if you didn't want to include yourself uh, if, if, if what we're going through this, and that'd be, then that would fi- that'd be fine as well. But for you two, what, were, uh, what was your favorite match of the weekend each? I'll go first because Dylan saw everything and I did not. Um what did I see? I watched Dom and Koo on night one, and that was a blast. Um, I watched Billy and Martyr on night one, and I thought that was that was better than I anticipated. And it lived up to its standings as the main event of night one, for sure. Um, I honestly, I really liked the finals. And I know some of the parties involved with the finals didn't love them. Uh, because I think they had maybe more grandiose aspirations. But as someone who's been in one, um, putting together uh, an elimination four-way is not an easy task. And I thought they did a really good job and that uh, it told, had a bunch of little narratives that, that paid off. It didn't overstay its welcome by any means. And we got the really fulfilling ending with, you know, with, the hometown guy tapping out the, the, the asshole from the last 13 weeks of, of television here in Chattanooga. So um, yeah, from what I saw, I, I got to go with the finals. Honestly, I, I, I think it really holds up as uh, 
as someone who, after I had a very disjointed, weird finals in 2019, albeit one that told a nice story and had a fulfilling climax, you know, I really went out of my way to try and make 2021 as best as I could, you know, at seeking the, the, the unattainable goal of being on par with 2016. Uh, because just like you guys, I'm a fan too, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but I, you know, I, I'm a fan who gets to get in the ring and try to, you know, outdo my favorites. And I don't think I did, but I think I, I was very happy with, with the match that we had in, in 2021. And, and yeah, I would not, you know, I haven't watched both back, but putting them side by side. I wouldn't be shocked if, if this year's final is, is better than last year's. So. So yeah, I, I'm and maybe it's a safe answer, but I'm going with the final. Uh, oh man, Dan might have stolen mine. I, it, <laughs> it, it, if it, also the final had an incredible finish. I thought the finish to the final was perfect. I, I, yeah. I would like that's one of the best endings at any SCI show ever in any match, whether opening or fight doesn't matter. Like that, that was just really well done. I even uh, love the, like the successive uh, elimination eliminations too. Like yep. the, my, my favorite thing was, and I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. And I know that they wrestled each other before, but coming out of it was like, Oh, I want more Adam priest versus Billy Starks. Oh, like, absolutely. That, like that was my big thought, even bigger than Jaden winning. Like I want more Adam priest and Billy. And, and there's, tons of places that we, we can we can run with that and we probably will to be honest um because i really like their matches up too but i um I, I agree with everything that was said about the final um i think it's the best final since 2016 um i thought last year's final was really good in parts and they did a great job trying to honor the four corner step but there were moments where it wasn't completely executed and it's very difficult and the other thing you have to understand is you're usually calling that after you've already, after your matches are done. So you've got maybe an hour to call, maybe, you know, like it, you, it, you don't have a long window of time to put something like that together. And in 2016, which is the gold standard, the best independent wrestler of all time was in the match. Oh, and so was Anthony Henry and Jimmy Ray. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like, not not a bad list of people. Yeah, kind of working with a loaded. Deck I there. thought <laughs> I thought you were talking about Anthony Henry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you. I mean, you could credibly make a case that like three of I don't know, like the top twenty or thirty indie guys ever were in that match. So it, that's a that's a difficult. I mean, it's going to be hard for ever to ever top that. I thought they did a great job. That would probably be my pick. However. In the interest of diversifying this, I'm going to go with something that really hasn't been talked about anything in any uh, meaningful way on, on the show. If you know me, if you followed my pontificating, my booking, my, my entire social media presence, you know that this style of match is probably my least favorite style of, of high profile indie wrestling that I would freely concede is good. Oh, I think I know what you're going. I think I know what you're Having going said with. that, Eli Knight and Myron yeah. Reed was there. We go. Awesome. Yeah, that, that yes. was like <laughs> That's the it. best possible version of that style of match that I can recall seeing. And stuff. and also, it did one major. Uh, on top of the fact that it was extremely well executed, that it was extremely fun, it was dynamic, it was explosive, it was all the things you want out of that, and then some. 
it was a guy, a bigger name star coming in where he's going up, who went out of his way to make somebody in the process. Mm-hmm. He like, like Eli came out of that where it's just like, you know what? Yeah, he lost, but who cares? This guy's awesome. Like, yes. like it, it and Frankly, Myron Reed did not have to do that, and a lot of guys in his position won't do that on the indies. Even when they're asked, they don't do that a lot of the time. I thought that match absolutely kicked ass. It, 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 it was – look, there are other matches I liked probably just as much as that, maybe even slightly better on the margins here or there. And Dom and Dan's sort of a weird one for me because that kind of stands outside of everything because of the personal dy- dynamic with me. And to a degree, you could say the same thing about Dom and Koo, I guess. But – that match was just you could i that was the best possible version of that match that you were going to get they 100% delivered and i feel like eli looked like a major star coming out of it i love that thank you for bringing that up dylan because that i've danced around it and i've talked about myron and me being like high on myron reed blah blah, blah whatever and i also as i'm saying this i just want to you know, Quentin, you can back me up on this for the past couple of months. I've been talking about how good Billy Starks has gotten coming out of this weekend. People are noticing mm-hmm. anyways. I've, you know, again, just look back, look at my, uh, my wrestler of the year list from last year. I had the acclaimed on my top 50. Um, all of these people just remember that as you're getting into them, I've been telling you that they're good for a couple of years. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Masha Slamovich, you know, whatever. That's not the point. Um, Aston Star. Uh, okay. Um, but, uh, Myron Reed, and Eli Knight, Myron Reed was phenomenal here. And this is the the peak of what Myron Reed is good at. What the fuck is wrong with Myron Reed? Why does this guy have this career where I've been thinking he's good? He's gotten some buzz here and there. He gets high profile things. He's always got a title belt with him that feels like it doesn't matter. Um, why does no one notice how good he really is? And he shows it right here. And he's now becoming, he's not just like the young spark plug spitfire oh you know he can do high flying like he's shown over and over again just how really talented he is why does no one fucking notice eli knight is another conversation he's still got the world in front of him i actually do i'm very high on eli knight i think he's fantastic and i think that he's still got a lot of room to do this but why can't myron reed catch a fucking break what is going on uh if i can speak from the perspective of someone that's not super high on myron reed uh Probably a little inconsistent, in my opinion, over the times in which I have seen Myron over the last, whatever, what, seven-ish years in which he in which he's been around, maybe longer, maybe longer than that. Um, I've always felt he was a little inconsistent. I liked the heel act he was experimenting with uh, with jo- with Jordan Oliver uh, and MLW, and I thought that there was something there, but he doesn't carry that over everywhere that he goes. And for as talented as he is, he almost seems like he's kind of like destined to be like kind of like in that AR Fox kind of place where if you know, you know, you kind of you see him and you know what he's capable of yeah. and that he's capable of like stealing the show on any car, no matter what his place is on it. But for whatever the reasons may be, I don't know. It's not it doesn't seem like it's leading is going to lead towards anything uh major forum but in spite of that in spite of all the feelings he could rightfully have towards the wrestling business for that he doesn't show it and that's a testament to what dylan is saying right here is that he goes out there with a guy like eli knight and does what does something that he doesn't have to do 
which is let Eli go completely berserk on him for the first couple of minutes of this match and make Eli look like a million bucks and let Eli get the bulk of the big spots here. You know, just as big as Billy's dive to the outside, my, my big thought from SCI was Eli jumping, jumping to the top turnbuckle in one, in one leap. And Myron Reed could have easily wanted a spot like that for himself or wanted to outdo it, but he didn't. He let Eli have that, he let Eli have that shine. And for as inconsistent as I think Myron can be as a wrestler, there's nothing negatively I can say about a guy that could have done some something else to take the shine away from another talent, and he didn't do that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have anything to say about <laughs> Myron Reed and, and his quality versus his placement in the in the world of wrestling. I'll I'll say this real really quick. He was it, to my eyes insanely self selfless this past weekend, um, and uh, like he's a guy that I, I've always liked. I've always got along with Myron to the extent I've worked with him. I he's like way up on my would work again with again as soon as possible list after this weekend. Because I thought both of his matches were really good. And I thought in both cases, he understood what was being asked of him and went above and beyond to make it effective. I guess uh, mine, uh, I don't think it got mentioned. Uh, not that much to say on it. I think it's just more reflective of how big a fan I am of this person. And she just keeps reeling me in. But Masha versus Manders is probably my favorite of the weekend. Uh I like Manders. I've liked Manders the whole time. I wish uh, I saw Manders more in places that I like. But um, yeah. I wish he wasn't in the second gear crew. Yeah, <laughs> I wish he was in places that I like, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was nice. It was nice seeing Manders again. And I don't know. Masha just leaps off the page in a way that I'm not sure I can name five wrestlers that leap off the page more that are not like big, huge push commodities in the way that she does right now. I think she feels must watch and like must see and like must see TV every time, every time she's around and knowing that she's an impact this gives me and speedball as well, but it gives me any type of idea to watch impact and give it a chance just knowing that she's there. But I thought what she went out there and did with Manders was absolutely fucking fun and, nutty and bonkers and i love the match with billy the next night too but really just uh kind of a masha appreciation appreciation yes segment here because i i thought she was a little inconsistent too and i still think she has that inner but what happens though is she's so engaging and so and so charismatic and so magnetizing that that part almost doesn't matter because i would watch masha versus versus anyone you know we talk you know we're uh People talking about, oh, I'd watch Necro Brocha versus anyone. I'd watch Sabu versus anybody just for the, just to see what it would look like. Masha is on that list for me. Yeah, this weekend was a good, um, like, counter narrative to my concern. When I start seeing good female wrestlers show up in TNA, they like, that's where good, you know, female wrestlers go to die and they just disappear and you stop hearing about them. Having Masha show up here and continue to, like, you know, get booked in PWG and stuff like that is like, a positive because I, I do get concerned like when a good female wrestler starts getting booked regularly in impact TNA, whatever, like a lot of times they just disappear and they stop doing anything interesting and you have to like go out of your way to watch 
them an impact and like it's pretty easy to just ignore it but masha showing up here and doing this shows that like she's still very committed to it um god damn it i i want dan to talk because i feel like he's been quiet too much but but dylan i guess you're not booking so i shouldn't even ask you i was gonna say what's it like booking someone like this and seeing that she's still committed to the the wrestling side of things but you're not involved in booking in it booking this so i'll just ask dan dan she's a great wrestler everyone is saying she's so fiery she's so uh you know they're standing up to everything why is she ducking you when it comes to tetris why did she disappear why is she afraid <laughs> to show up you know what it, the funny thing is like, so i did get to play a little bit of dr mario a little bit of tetris on the afternoon between futures and night two and i totally forgot that there's no two-player mode on the original nes tetris um oh, man so when when that became apparent, I I didn't even bother trying to find her to track her down. Uh, I heard from other sources that she was she was glued to the NES at, at points as well during the day, um, maybe during the afternoon before futures. I think uh, so. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to play her at Tetris. Uh, did show off my Tetris skills a little bit for for a few people who watched, and then most definitely handed uh, uh, Matt's ass to him. Uh, in our uh, epic uh, Dr. Mario rematch. That wasn't even close uh, this year. Uh, shout out to to Scott from the Bald Monkeys. He actually put up a bit of a fight at uh, uh, in Tetris. Uh, sorry, Chris. Yeah, anyways, sorry. Bald Monkeys, good guys. And... Uh, and uh, and yeah, they, they, they were the ones who provided the television and the, and the NES and everything, so... I like how nobody stole the TV. They stole the Uno deck. <laughs> <laughs> this is contemporary outlaw wrestling. It's Nick Holiday and Shug D stealing the Uno deck and setting up a gambling ring in the back of a public high school. But the in, the NES and the uh, TV go unmolested. <laughs> I love the. I, I really love that. I can't explain how much I love yeah, that. It's phenomenal. Um, Quentin. What else do you want to hit? And uh, does anybody else want to hit some stuff? I guess let's, let's get into some big picture things or or matches, whatever. I don't know. Um, you know, if I if we weren't pressed for time, I would ask Dylan for his thoughts on Alex Jones trial. But I feel like that I feel like that would go <laughs> at least until three a.m. <laughs> but other than other than that, I I think I'm I think I'm good. Tim, do you have anything? Okay, now when it comes to the Alex Jones trial thing, okay, this, oh, is, this is the only this, okay, this is the only thing that gets me is that everyone please understand it's not guilty, not guilty. That's already been defaulted. Alex Jones has been found guilty by default. Everything about the court cases has just been about damages. They're just deciding how much money he owes. That's the only thing that annoys me is that I see people talking about it and they talk about it as if like guilty not guilty matters that's already done that part's over alex lost all of that intentionally and this what you're seeing for the court cases is just about damages that's the only thing i have to say about that dan is there anything from the weekend anything in general that you want to talk about before we head out like i i feel like we've kind of if you want to get match by match, I don't know if you've been watching the G1. Have you been watching the, the five-star Grand Prix? Like, this uh, well, I've been watching nothing. I've been watching okay. nothing. I've, I I was watching Damien Tangra and Trisha Dora matches for, for a week. Sure, as well, getting ready. As well as 90s Japanese shoot styles. So um, 
So that uh, means you've probably been watching some um, some Hood Slam. What do you think about uh, Anton Voorhees? Because I've gotten I, some uh, some questions. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty checked out on independent wrestling. I'm I'm trying to be invested and not invested at the same time because you know the time's going to come where it's it's going to be pretty hard for me to to not be as. Uh, you know, functional within the world. So um, fun story, though. My friend was the guy who threw coffee on Alex Jones in Seattle years ago. But what? Uh, that's <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> he, he he was one of the behind the scenes guys at 321 Battle. And he was actually a manager at 321 Battle, which led to people thinking that it was a work because they found out. He oh, was a what? <laughs> Anyways. Wait. Oh, wait, which man? Should this Quantis be off air? Quantis Okay, yeah, yeah, Okay, that makes sense. I think threw I've coffee, seen this clip. Threw, yeah. threw coffee on Alex Jones. It's on YouTube. Anyway, I'm hoping that you also revealed that you're friends with the guy that punched Richard Spencer. Like, I just I just want all this to come out. I cannot confirm nor deny. <laughs> that was Caden you... tell me. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay, Dan, can I ask you... Can I ask you about putting together the match with Dom just a little bit here? Because... This crossed my mind as I was watching it. You guys uh, did like a twister spot for spot in the middle of it. And um, and I like did like a little bit of a deep dive on this because I was like looking into it. And I was like, okay, so Korean zombie kind of legitimized the twister by using it as a finish in, in uh, UFC. And then obviously uh, Matt Riddle adopted it into his wrestling. So it became like wrestling known. But you guys did like the trade for trade spot. And then as I was looking into it, I remembered Korean Zombie came out to a very familiar song, which was the Cranberry Zombie. Do you was there? Did Ku and Dom pick the the song that they use based on that at all? I don't think this is a I, real I don't think, deep. This is like here. This is like Charlie, and it's always sunny. Po- like the memes of yes, him. yes. Oh yeah, I'm putting the pieces together, man. No, um, but I, no, but like. I think it's a bit of it's a bit of a reach. the The <laughs> twister spot is something that we did in our first match in Germany, so it was, we we built off yeah. of that. Um, I, I don't, don't remember you guys it, trading it in Germany. We did, we, we did not trade did? it in Germany. We, yeah. We, so it, it was just a hey, we did a twister in Germany. Let's find a way to incorporate that into this match. Okay. Okay. Um, but it was planned. It was planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was planned. Um, uh, a lot of that match wasn't planned though it was sort of like it was very much a segmented naturally building like we're gonna here are some friends who are grappling here are some friends who get heated with one another and take it a little too far and uh and it just kind of naturally progressed over that and and you know we had some bullet points but for the most part we just kind of went out there and felt it and we're like you know, do what what uh, Daisuke Ikeda and, and Yuki Ishikawa would do. That was very much uh, kind of our, um, uh, you know, and our, our thought process was, and, and certainly my thought process, you know, when Dom had me in a twister and I was reaching for the ropes and I couldn't find the ropes because he had me in the middle of the ring and I've got very long legs, but they, you know, it was just a little out of reach. I thought, how the hell am I going to get out of this thing? I'm going to shove my knuckle into his ear so you know that's just <laughs> that's what we do you know you you know that's the the glorious thing about wrestling someone like dom and wrestling someone like me is that we can just wrestle and so uh you know there's no conspiracy theories and and there's not a, a <laughs> thought process involved it's just two friends going out there and, and beating each other up and and just feeling it and and honestly if i could do that every night 
I wouldn't have to retire, <laughs> but I can't. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just, again, I just, I wonder when I see stuff like that and I, and I know when you guys do the shoot out stuff, how much you're calling, how much you're not. I, I, I always wonder about it um, because so much of it seems so natural. Like the, the stuff that you guys are doing where you're trading the headbutts and then you work into the headbutt on the mat, which feels very reminiscent to, to, to the bird doing the pecking, but also to, um, to Darby Allen doing the, the headbutts, but then also to the through line of the tournament, which I noticed, which was, you know, when you came out in the beginning, which I will say, when you came out in the beginning with the hand wrapped and the long sleeves, you looked great, phenomenal, looked in great shape, cutting a really nice silhouette, all that. But um, I could kind of notice you telling um, uh, Tangra, like, work the hand, and he starts attacking the hand, and then that played through to Tangra versus... Um, to to Tangra versus uh, uh, Kevin Koo, where Kevin Koo starts working over in the same like a similar situation, and then you did a similar thing later on with the headbutts to the down Dom Greeny, where it's the striking down. You know, what I mean, like all that stuff feels like it's connected, but it's also, as you said, it's also just natural when it comes to wrestling. But I watch the through line and I enjoy it again, making doing the fan wanking and putting these things together. I don't, I don't know if I have anything to add. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, again, that's why I just ask. And then the, the I just happened to notice because I was like researching the twister um, in like MMA being used as, as a finish. And then I saw Korean zombie, Matt, uh, his fight where he won with the twister. And I was like, holy he, shit, he comes out to he, zombie, he tapped, which makes he sense. Tapped out, he tapped out Linda Garcia with the twister in Seattle, yeah. Washington. So, uh, yes, exactly. I wasn't and there. Then, but- but anyways, but sure. But yeah, but uh, but the violence is forever comes out to uh, to zombie and Korean zombie came out to zombie. So I was just like, oh, I wonder if that's connected. I I bet if I ask Kevin Koo, he might say like it's part of it. But I don't know. Maybe not. Dylan. I bet if you ask Alex leave, Jones, he might say that. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um, Dylan, before we head out, is there anything else from the weekend that you want to talk about? Um. This is going to be rapid fire potpourri. Number one, yes, Billy Starks has in fact gotten very good. In particular, she sells well, and the other thing she does really well, by God, that kid's strikes are better than almost anybody as an independent wrestler for. That's, Billy yeah, <laughs> it is absolutely insane that a. 17-year-old girl strikes look better than almost everybody else on the independence. But by God, it's true. Um, Billy Starks and, is actually a better wrestler than Will Ospreay. Fight me. Well, well I, <laughs> I agree good, with that. But Dylan, yeah, Dylan isn't going to fight you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. go, uh, I'm, t- I'm talking outside of this chat. <laughs> and the, the other sort of uh, potpourri uh, addition that I'll just throw together here in one group, and this, of course, ties into Uncharted Territory, but also other stuff that have happened in the Southeast this year i really think you know we did 22 live streams in hamilton county over a span of three months and um that includes the killer be killed show and includes icw and some other stuff of course but it like i really really think over the course of that time and over the course of this year Adam Priest and Kevin Koo, both in the finals. We haven't talked a ton about them individually, and I know we've been talking for a long time as is, and I don't want to get into like a 20-minute sub-conversation here if you guys aren't up for it. I get that. But I'm up for it. it. 
it would it would be I would feel like we did not do justice to the totality of the summer in Chattanooga, which culminated in the SCI. If we did not mention, or, or I did not mention at least, I think both of these guys over the course of this year have proven beyond a shadow of the doubt that they're two of the top 10 guys on the independence. Um, and my too, opinion might be, might be too low. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was about to say to me, they're top five, both of them and <laughs> top like, three. And it, I wouldn't argue that either. Yeah. And like that was on display to me all summer long. It is true that neither one of them had like a match that you would put necessarily on the top of a match of the year list over SCI weekend. I get that. However, what they did all weekend, what they did all week with starting with a 40 minute match on Monday, Kuba was at time bomb on Thursday, which that match is actually up on IWTV. I, I published that show earlier today. He wrestled uh Jossie on that show, but uh, what they did over the course of this, what they've done over the course of the year for, we're all big fans of Dan on this podcast, even though I'm sure he's tired of us gassing him up nonstop. Like these two guys, feel like guys that are natural heirs to what Dan has done over the last five years and, and what other great wrestlers have done over the last five years. And I do not want their run over the last few months to be slept on um, in, in whether we're talking about Dan's, you know, slowing down, obviously that's going to be a feature of the show. I hundred percent want it to be, whether we're talking about Billy's insane bump and her run hundred percent want it to be Jaden's win, want it to be, but to me, Koo and Priest should not be like that. Is not like a side narrative. That is as important as everything else. Those two guys have been incredible in 2022. Like every match is worth watching, even if it doesn't 100% hit. You know, and you're like, eh, it was good, but it didn't blow me away. Like every single match they have is worth watching. Mm. Every single performance mm-hmm. that they put in is thoughtful literally does not matter the opponent does not matter where it is does not matter how long they have doesn't matter where they are on the card every single match is thoughtful everything single match has at least one thing where you're going to be like that was really good and more often than not the match is going to be really good so i i just wanted to hammer that home before we get out of here if, if, I'm sure this is largely preaching to the choir with the bulk of the audience here, but Koo and Priest have been incredible in 2022. You're completely right that you're you know preaching to the choir, but you're also completely right that it needs to be said. Um, Koo and Priest have been phenomenal. We've talked about it a ton. Like that's that's honestly why it hasn't come up because we were talking about like the details of this weekend of shows and not talking about the big picture of, you know, what's going on with these two having a great, amazing year. And then also in the same conversation, Anthony Henry, who's like right up there with having these phenomenal performances. Anthony Koo and Priest are probably my top three on the end of this year. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said top three. That's that's not even like a thing that you could, that someone could even try to say as a bias Thing. that's just the truth yeah. it feels like this is it. it's what's <laughs> happening um so dylan dan you guys can head out quentin we're gonna get into uh kobe world because we missed it last oh, week fucking Christ. Uh, <laughs> um, oh my jesus christ 
it was a lot of fun, guys. We, you know, we talked, we did our thing, but now it's time to get into the Zebrats versus Kung uh, Fu Master. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much. Um, I don't know, Dylan, do you want people to do anything? Should they subscribe to IWTV? Is that important? Look, it's my job, so yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, pl- please do because I need to live and sustain existence. Yeah. I've got I've got to save up for a flight to Seattle to call Dan's last match in the states. So yes. every, every so everybody, please uh, uh, and go and use I, the, the the promo codes from the Conrad verse podcast. I just saw they all just got a bunch <laughs> yes. of promo codes. But you, you use whatever those promo codes are. Uh, yeah. I don't know them. Uh, the height of professionalism here. Uh, but yeah, everybody go subscribe to IWTV uh, if you haven't uh, already, because uh, that's my full time job. And uh, I, I do want to state for the record uh, to be able to make a living in independent ref- wrestling is very cool. Uh, it requires a whole lot of labor and I work literally every single day. But very, very uh, stressful, I, but it's very stressful. But IWTV pays me pretty well. I, I make a living wage during a time where a lot of people don't. So uh, if anybody has any uh, doubt about uh, how they treat people, they treat me pretty darn good, which means you should treat them good and uh, uh, subscribe. Uh, go get off bake.live for your indie wrestling stuff, guys. If All you're right. not, if it, you're not paying for IWTV, <laughs> sir, I'm not. The, I'm gonna just put this out. I'm pretty accessible. Everyone knows me. I talk to I talk to the kids. I bring the kids onto the podcast. Even people have claimed that uh, we've had guests who do payola. I've seen the podcast numbers going around with people doing payola for podcast guest spots. That's not happening here. I bring the kids on here for free. Um, if you're not paying for IWTV, you're not allowed on the podcast. I'm sorry. But <laughs> is, that's is, it. This, that's... Is, is this like our version of the progress pirating is bad commercial? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> you could steal everything else. You can't steal, steal IWTV, it. man. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. I think we're gonna make a except banner for... saying pirate everything else other than IWTV. <laughs> yeah, except for Joseph using my password, but that's okay. That's um... okay. I, don't, I I I have no I have no meaningful objection to that. Uh, that's, but anyway, that's any, fair. That's it, like tape trading, you know. That's like there, there you go. It's close enough. Dead. Anyway, yeah. go subscribe and and go watch uh uh the scenic city invitational when you're there if you haven't already. That that's that's my plug. Uh, I don't know if Tim was serious about us doing Kobe World because <laughs> I just <laughs> I'm uh, oh you're gonna do Kobe World, oh motherfucker. No, of course not. <laughs> Quentin, okay, I was Dan. making sure because I actually had questions for Dylan afterward. I was like, oh fuck, like this just threw off my whole plan. Oh, you have questions. No, like, you know, those kind of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan, where should people uh, purchase hoses? Um, no, anyway, do you have anything to plug? Don't kayfabe my... It's a, Dylan Dylan already, when we were at dinner on Friday evening, dropped a very <laughs> subtle reference no, to no. A, pre- a previous uh, uh, alter ego of mine from 20 years ago that no one no. else on, but I appreciate <laughs> Nobody got it, but it was so good. <laughs> was it was it the 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 you know the hyperlink no it was it was it was a reference oh. to to an, to an old uh alias on death valley driver but okay uh, yeah, yeah, yeah oh man i don't know this <laughs> and you're not going to anyway oh, um, <laughs> follow me on twitter follow me on instagram at daniel makabe uh when i wrestle my final matches in seattle and vancouver which may or may not end up being my final matches that would be a good way 
to find out about it. I will also have a new shirt in time for those two matches. The design is already being done by my good friends Mecha Shote oh, yeah. over in the UK, who uh, both members of Mecha Shote, um, Eddie and Stu, they're, they're two brothers who run Mecha Shote, have both informed me they are going to come to Vancouver for my final match. So, um, so yeah, so that's incredibly cool. Do subscribe to IWTV. Be sure to watch my episode of The Life of. Uh, it, I think it's pretty interesting and cool. And I also get, I also get paid when you watch it. So Dylan sends me money when you watch my episodes. So that literally happens because I do the payroll spreadsheet. Yeah. And there's <laughs> so, the bonus. Yeah. There's the bonus feature. There's multiple bonus. Yeah, I was I yeah. was very lucky in that I I rambled on enough about my records and my T-shirts. And and the powers that be found it interesting enough that I got uh, two little bonus thirty minute featurettes. I do get paid for those as well. So watch it all. All right. Yeah. And the the records was the best part because that like actually got Alicia into it because she was like, oh, that's not that's not that great. You know, she's a little bit hardcore when it comes to that stuff. Oh, oh, oh she's she's calling me on record collection. No, 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 no. She it's good. You know, she she's definitely a big fan of yours. But I know but she that... also worked at Amoeba, though. So where's sure, the uh, sure. where's yeah. the where's, where's the Uranus Amoeba. text press? Yeah, exactly. Where's, where's the where's the, 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 where's the original <laughs> Puritan reversal of man split? Do you got that? Because if not, you don't have anything. My yeah, my she's like, my record collection is honestly not that deep. I've got friends who put put my record collection to shame. So, yeah. but anyways, I probably thank, thank you very much probably, for having us on. You know it, it, that that goes without being said. Thank you, and honestly, you know I, I'm happy to do a podcast with you guys. I've done this probably six or seven times at this point, too many times. including the insane episode where we ran down every single match I happened and had in 2019. I don't know. I don't know how to talk us into doing that. I really. It was. I, I mean, it's a cool listen. It's four hours long. Though. It is. Um, and uh, and honestly, I was very ex- excited when you told me that you invited Dylan to be a part of this because obviously, he is my friend. I, I did just see him a couple of days ago, but I was able to let him know that uh, in this situation, we could be uh, he could be the Dylan and I could be the Dave Musgrave. So uh, finally, um, yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of Dave Musgrave, he just released a podcast on this sure very same network. This is I hope everyone checked that, out. This is weird that Dave Musgrave is on the same podcast feed as me. It feels yeah, you know, you know. strange. With you're, 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 you're one boss, of the best, one of the best human beings I have ever met in my life. By the way, I love Dave. Yeah, Incre- incredibly nice man. He actually texted me on Thursday night, moments after I was talking to Dylan, just like randomly out of the blue to say like oh hey i see you're doing sti this weekend like hope it's good say hi to dylan for me so yeah, yeah. So, quentin good, if good you have out. questions for me uh send them to me in a dm and i'll answer them got you i got you don't worry about it uh, oh, now i feel bad you've got to or i'll harass you later on that note go talk about kobe world boys no, <laughs> no. he was yes. no i'm telling no there was i was gonna throw a fit there was no way this was happening <laughs> There was no way this was happening. All right. So, who watched Transgraps? Because okay. Sam oh, talked about oh, it on podcast. He said, everyone's talking about the drama, but no one watched the matches. Oh. I watched all the matches. Do you want to break this down? So, Are you guys ready you can for this? Follow, you can follow me on Twitter at QT <laughs> underscore Moody. You can follow Tim at Bone Dog's Wife. You can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. And if you're feeling as, kind, uh, as so kind, you could donate to us on coffee you can fund our trip to montreal uh 
that's it and we're not doing that one so thank you all for listening and hope you hope you'll be here next time everyone watch Venny versus Edith Surreal it's a good match